power on. Accessing historical database. Year 2020. The tech giants become aware of the greatest threat to their corporatist domination. An obscure science and tech podcast becomes a major factor in a peaceful open source revolt against the military Silicon Valley industrial complex. The podcast, Sovereign Tech. Its host, Dr. Brian Sovereign. The tech giants try to stop Sovereign Tech. They can't. Woo! Did I hear that somebody wanted some Sovereign Tech on this fine day? Well, guess what? You're going to get it, baby. In fact, you're not just going to get me, but you're going to get none other than the inimitable, remarkable, brilliant, beautiful. I mean, how many, how many positive adjectives do you think there are in the English language? Uh, probably too many to count. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. No, you see, someone once told me that there is only like, it's, it, it's in the double digits. Well, there has to be at least the magic ratio of five positive for every one negative. Really? I figured that was the other way around. Well, anyway, this is why I have Ellen Sovereign on the show. And <laughs> well, I'm asking for it, and I want it. You Give me want that it. Sovereign tag. Woo, baby. <laughs> well, you're going to get it. And, of course, you've got the man of tomorrow, Savzu, the rated R radio star, ready to go along with this amazing woman. And, uh, well, we've got a lot to talk about. In fact, we've got some things to talk about. One thing we've planned on talking about for a while, but another, you shared a video with me that was basically an expose. And you know how much it takes to actually even get me to watch a YouTube video, you know, but I watched this and admittedly, it made me want to stop watching YouTube all over again. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, we, it does have that effect. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll uh, we'll save that story for a little bit later. But um, why don't we go ahead? You know, this is, uh, again, a, a tradition that happens every time you happen to be on, Ellen. And that is you and I, we talk about, you know, what we happen to be reading or, you know, listening to slash reading, say, on Audible. Uh, of course, Audible is not a sponsor yet, but, you know, <laughs> would, would I take them? I mean, I'm already on. I was one of the podcasts. Sovereign Tech was one of the podcasts. Um, I'm actually a human being. I'm not a podcast, but uh, <laughs> Sovereign Tech was one of the podcasts that was invited to be available on Amazon Music for launch day. Uh, I'm still hoping that podcasts end up on Audible. You know, let me ask you that. Because you, you listen to podcasts, Ellen. I mean, or at the very least, you listen to Sovereign Tech. Yes, yeah, I yeah. do. Do you see an advantage to having podcasts in the Audible app? Um, I think it would make sense because it's where people go to listen to intellectual content or at least, you know, like some sort of audio content that isn't music. Right. Uh, personally... I feel like 
all of the services that I have offer podcasts. Like even Pandora offers podcasts now. Yeah. And it, to me, it seems kind of redundant because there's so many platforms out there that offer podcasts. But at the same time, if you're a podcaster, I think it makes a lot of sense to put your podcast out in as many branches as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it would make it extra convenient for the listeners if podcasts were on Audible. What do you use? Are you willing to share what you use for a podcast app right now? Yeah, right now I use Podbean Player. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, right. But that's, yeah. <laughs> I used to use Podcast Addict, and that was great, too. Yep. Um, But, yeah, that's that's what I got. Yeah, I I think it'd be awfully convenient if, if it were there. Uh, you know, I mean, I, well, I already talked about all that. I don't need to go down that road again. Is it, would it become like your primary podcast player? Um, I guess it would eliminate the need for a separate podcast player. Right. Yeah, that's that's what I'm basically thinking and seeing is that. And and I don't know, you know, how well exactly Spotify is doing as far as podcast metrics go. Um, but I could just imagine that, that it, I don't know. I feel like it would really open up a lot of things, but. Uh, it would open up some free space on my phone. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, because we spend so much time, you and I, in, in the, you know, in the Audible app alone. Um, yeah. I mean, frankly, like myself, I don't know if I'd even really carry around a smartphone much if it didn't have Audible on it, right? I, I mean, true. Ahead. I mean that I I bring it with me on certain trips just for the audio that I have on it. Right, right, yeah, exactly. Um, boy, you know, we could go into a whole. I mean, folks, we we got plenty of tech and science to talk about throughout this show, and we might even have a fun review for able to get to it towards the end. So don't worry, the hottest tech show in the world has got you covered. But you you mentioned a, a term, a word to me the other day, and and we had a, a epic conversation on the way back from the gym. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. It begins with an N. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. Uh, nomophobia. And <laughs> we don't need to get lost on this right now. It's a conversation we got to have. How it came up in the first place? Well, I mean, I just want to mention what it is. So, sure. I mean, do, do you want do you want to describe it? Okay, so nomophobia is a, uh, it's supposed to be kind of funny. It's like a shortening of no mobile connection phobia. Right. Uh, the fear of not having a mobile connection. Exactly. And this is this is kind of a new phenomena that's only mm-hmm. been around. I mean, it's only been studied for the last few years, really, since people have had cell phones pretty much their entire lives. At least the younger generation has. Right. Uh and I don't think people really recognize how dependent they are on cellular networks until they're completely disconnected. Yeah. There's no Wi-Fi. There's no 3G. There's nothing. Right. Uh, right. And you can end up feeling alone and frightened because of that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, humans are such remarkably adaptive creatures. They adapt to, I hate this phrase, but I'll use it. They adapt to new normals very quickly. Um, yeah. And actually the scariest thing maybe is that the human brain can learn to be afraid of anything. Wow. Tell me more. (laughs) So if you, this is really interesting because it kind of explores a few different phenomena in human brains. But, uh, if you, for example, hear stories about something from someone else that indicates that there's danger, 
Then mm-hmm. you'll be afraid of that thing that they're talking about, even if you've never personally experienced it. Mm-hmm. Or if it's maybe a mundane object that you're being faced with, but there's some painful association with it, you'll be afraid of that thing. Right. Or you can learn to be afraid of things like that. Um, or even, you know, and this goes deeper into like there's also evolutionary uh, fears that we have uh, kind of gained over the years, like spiders and mm-hmm. snakes um, but not everyone is afraid of those things. Most of the time, people learn to be afraid of those things because they see other people react in fear. So, th- I mean, this gets into um, the the old the old Pontius Pilate question: What is truth? <laughs> oh. And uh, I I I don't think most people consciously realize that. Very often, in fact, I did a user podcast about this. I think it was called Light of Reason was the name of it. You can find it in the Sovereign Tech feed. But I don't, I don't think a lot of people realize that our notion of, tr- of what's true, of truth, very much relies on each other. Like, we are a social species. Our notions of truth are, are an aspect of being that social species. Um, so what you're saying, like, I mean, I hear you and I agree. And that's why so quickly, you know, a, a new concept, you know, can become a truth, uh, to everybody or, or like a new fear can become, well, if they're afraid of it, I should be afraid of it. I mean, that's just, that's part of how we gauge what is real and not, you know, and, and what is truth. Um, so, and, and there's a name for that, but regardless, uh, that, that's, that's very interesting, but this nomophobia, I mean, just to, to have, to have a name for it and, and yeah, we, we could, <laughs> no, this is a real phenomenon. I, I know, I know. And, I, and I'm just like, I'm pausing. Cause like, I don't, I, I it's a conversation we got to have at some point and we'll have it because I agree with you. It sometimes it is incredibly disturbing, especially at the gym. You know, well, that's why it came up in the first place. We were leaving the gym and I was saying like, I'm just growing increasingly disenchanted with the gym because every time I'm there, it's like a dystopia. You know, everybody's just absorbed in their phone. Right. And you'd think people would be there to exercise and, and, you know, it's kind of a grounding experience that gets you engaged in the real world. But apparently not for everyone. Yeah. I mean, I'll say this. I rarely ever see anybody at the gym taking pictures of themselves. And this was before, you know, COVID-19 or anything. Like I, I, I just, I rarely ever saw anybody there really taking a picture of themselves. And I'm glad for that. Cause that that's fucking annoying for one. Yeah. Um, but I, I hear you. And well, you rarely see people with a partner there either. Oh, I know. I know. We're, we're, we're the odd couple, not, not because we're like Jack Lemon and Walter Matthau, but because we we're interact, odd that we're a couple. We talk. Yeah. <laughs> we clean off machines for each other. Yeah. <laughs> we do workouts together. I mean, even when we would wear headphones or something there, we would, we would still communicate. Yeah. Whenever like we pass each other, right. we, you know, say hi, yeah, give I each mean, other a hug or something. Yeah. Or kiss or I grab your ass or, well, <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah, you know, actually, this is something interesting too. Um, uh, an acquaintance of mine, Michael Hearn, was like, I, I remember him saying, you know, like, I'm not, I, he doesn't listen to music or he doesn't like to listen to music when he works out. And I thought that, that was absolutely insane. We, we've got plenty of stuff to get into, folks. We're going to get into it. <laughs> it's just one of those opening tangents that happens when you have uh, a brilliant person like, uh, like Alan on. 
And <laughs> I mean, I, I've got I've got a scientist right in front of me. You think I'm not going to talk about? It? All right, so, uh, and and I just thought I thought that that's nuts. Like, why would you not listen to music at at the gym? Now, I mean, to say nothing of the fact that like the music that gets played over the speakers at the gym is, I mean, just mind numbing, mind numbingly horrible. Um, and it all sounds the same. Yeah. It's pop nonsense. Not that I necessarily have a problem with pop. You know, it's just it's horrible. Um, but apparently, but there, there's an argument to be made, uh, and there, there is some research be, you know, done on it. There's research on what, on the advantages of listening to music while you work out as well, but there's an argument to be made for not listening to, to, to music while you work out, because in today's world, when you're always connected, you know, to the internet or to whatever the hell's going on, it gives you a chance to just connect, uh, to, you know, to you on the inside, what's happening inside and to really pay attention to the workout as well. And I, and I read that and boy, did it, it speak to me. I mean, it admittedly, I've always used like my workout time to, you know, maybe listen to a new album and test it out, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and you've, you've indulged me in that a lot. Oh, I, I've done the same. I mean, I'll listen to some things that I know I love, right. but I've definitely discovered a lot on Plex that I never listened to before that I thought was pretty great Yeah, while working out. Yeah. Yeah. So there's an advantage there. Um, I certainly don't like to go on social media while I'm working out. Fuck that. Like, no, nah, no interest in that whatsoever. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that pulls you out of your situation so quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we, we can kind of stop it there, but bottom line being nomophobia, this is a thing. And, and I'm with you. It's disturbing to just see people with tech neck, you know, at the gym where these are, you expect, I mean, we're talking, some of these people are very much in shape. Some of them are not and whatever, you know, everybody's at their different levels. I'm not knocking anybody, but you'd think that there were people who were very aware of their body and very aware of what's going on inside, but eh, I don't know. Yeah. Well, there was something else that you brought up that I think maybe relates to this as well. Mm. Uh, that people really have a fear of being stuck with their own thoughts and oh, yeah. having to confront them. And that's what you do when you're faced with silence or even bo momentary boredom. Right. You know, like in between sets. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I, you know, actually speaking of new albums, uh, of course, Amaranth, one of our, well, it's one of my favorite bands. I think it's one of your top bands, Ellen. I don't think that's I unfair. I think they've, they've made a, a, a couple of good albums. Yeah. Sure. Um, so they came out with a new album recently and they had a song on there called viral. I know you, you get annoyed by that, but, <laughs> but I just think, I don't know. I don't like it when musicians talk about like cell phones or texting or, you know, new slang. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. No, I understand that you want stuff that that's timeless. That's kind yeah. of immortal, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Uh, well, anyway, in the song viral, there's a great lyric in it that in, and it goes like this in the glow of the screen, you hide, uh oh shit what is it to ignore the pain inside something like that yeah i think that's right. and something along those lines and i and I, I thought i was like yeah that that's dynamite you know i mean that that's that's really dynamite. it well that, there's another <laughs> there's an amaranth song for you that's a great one uh off of yeah, massive addiction my terrible singing <laughs> <in the> <laughs> no, sorry that was just gorgeous. i thought you were playing off of that, <laughs> that, that that was not an intentional pun but it's a great one uh so Anyway, um, <laughs> but it's, it's a solid point, you know, that, that I think that people like, really, they just get lost in these, 
like I look on Twitter sometimes and, the, and people are, they're living their entire life on Twitter. They, they don't live outside of Twitter. They think everything that happens on Twitter is, is, is reality. And, and well, you know, frankly, actually, boy, that'd be a great segue into our main story. Um, but we're going to save that. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we'll put pause, we'll hit pause right there and yes. we'll go into our book club and then we'll pick it up again after we finish. Yeah. Yeah. We'll come back to what is real online because holy hell. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've got a great story. We about have that. an amazing story about that. Yeah. Uh, terrifying as in many ways as well. So, okay. Book club. Do uh, you want me to start it off or do you want to start it off? Um, I'll start it off. All right. All right. So, so what is this brilliant engineer, this brilliant scientist before me, <laughs> What are you, what are you? I'm fanning myself. <laughs> it's the truth. So, uh, so what are you reading right now? So earlier today, I was trying to finish the, the Sherlock Holmes series. I think I talked about this last time I was mm-hmm. on. Uh, there's just, there's like six parts to that Sherlock Holmes. Oh, it's like a 60 hour collection. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's huge. Um, yeah. So I haven't finished that. But mm-hmm. in the meantime, I picked up listening to another book uh, that actually my, previous uh supervisor recommended surprisingly mm-hmm. he was a man in the engineering field but he recommended this book to me yeah um it's called women don't ask by linda babcock and sarah lashiver mm-hmm. uh and i fucking love it wow i am crazy about this book so far and i'm only four and a half hours in G- give me give me like give me a takeaway I mean, you've talked to me about this book because it has been very impactful for you. Yes. And I think it's great. Uh, but like, give me a takeaway. Yeah, I've had so many aha moments while right? listening to this book. And uh, so far, what it's been about uh, is uh, it, the opening chapter was basically about the title. Women don't ask. Mm-hmm. Uh, women don't ask for help when they need it. Women don't ask for uh, you know, the, a fair amount of, of money that they should be compensated for their work. They don't ask for raises or they don't ask for benefits or, mm-hmm. you know, they, they just they are not encouraged from a young age to speak up for themselves and to demand what they deserve as boys are taught to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's kind of misleading that uh, we're told Pretty much now that like the scales have been balanced and men and women should, you know, they are making the same amount of money. They have equal opportunities, Mm -hmm. but that's simply not true. And, you know, I was one of these people that thought that it was mostly fair at this point, but there still exists a wage gap uh, that can pretty much be explained by the fact that women don't ask for uh, they, they don't generally uh, negotiate for higher salaries when they're hired. Generally, they just feel grateful to have a job. Or maybe they think that if they work hard enough and show that they deserve a raise, that eventually their boss will just give it to them. Uh, like, women have this expectation that the world is fair, and so they shouldn't have to ask. Yeah. Uh, and and that's often not the case. And the reason that the wage gap still exists, not just because they don't negotiate when they get hired, but also over the years, uh, they don't ask for raises or they don't ask to get promotions. And often men do, and they're far more aggressive in asking. So you probably just pissed off a whole lot of people saying wage gap. 
but that, <laughs> but I don't care. Uh, no. <laughs> and I know you don't. Um, yeah. So if I'm, if I'm getting what you're saying it, now, technology has very much leveled the playing field for all kinds of demographics. Okay? Sure. Certainly. Yeah. But you still have the cultural forces that, yes. you know, that, that basically instill say in women, um, you know, don't, don't, no, 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 don't, don't, don't rock the boat. Don't, uh, you know, right. don't make too much trouble. Don't, uh, you Women know. are always taught to be, you know, like soft and feminine and, uh, to, to be gentle and quiet. Right. Uh, whereas men are often told to like go strike out on their own and be really independent and that they, you know, it, like from a young age, they're given jobs that uh, like they would get paid for. You know, like mowing the lawn or taking out the trash, whereas women often are told to like do the dishes and cook food and they're not compensated for that. It's just an obligation that they have. Yeah. But that's still work that they're doing. Yeah, no, absolutely. So so let me put this on you. OK. Conan, the destroyer, not the barbarian, Conan, the destroyer, Arnold Schwarzenegger. OK, right. The movie. We watched mm -hmm. this recently. Grace Jones. Uh, the black gal playing that, you know, tremendous warrior character. Oh yeah. She was amazing. She's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Right. And what, what does she do? Like, like the, uh, uh, the, the, the princess is asking her, you know, how, how do you get a man like, like Tony? <laughs> I reach out and take him. And grab like him this. like this. You grab him and take him. And she's like, grab him and take him. <laughs> I, 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 every time I've ever, you know, uh, like a gal's ever talked about this movie or watched it, like, like that, oh, that scene always stands out. And you know why I think that stands out? Because no woman's told every guy in the world is told, yeah, grab them and take them, you know, like, like yeah, that, go that's, out and get it. Yeah. Go out and get it. <laughs> go get him, Johnny. You know, I mean, like the whole thing, like that, that's not unheard of at all. But for a woman, when is a woman ever told? It's like, oh, if you want a guy, grab him, you, you know, you take him. I mean, I'm not, I'm saying that, that granted, I, that's kind of extreme. But my point is, is that I don't know a whole lot of uh, uh, mothers or fathers that give pep talks to their daughters that, uh, you know, like that, that are like, uh, I don't know, Wolverines, you know, or Hoosiers, right. go get them. You know what I mean? Whatever. That just doesn't happen. Yeah. Well, this is really the inherent inequality that still exists in our society. Mm. And it's so subtle that most people don't notice it. But it's it really has a lot to do with teaching children gender roles from a young age. Like if a girl is told that women aren't as good at science and math, she's probably not going to try as hard mm -hmm. because she could possibly fail in those. Uh, but it's it's really horrible because over the years, women get this sense of low self-worth and low self-esteem when compared to other men. Mm -hmm. And even if they have that, even just being around men who believe that women couldn't be as worthwhile or have as much value as men, that will inherently bring out some sort of insecurity in them. So even just knowing that other people believe that, even if you don't believe it yourself, can put you on edge. But like women have this really low sense of self-entitlement and they don't ask for what they deserve because that scene is a, a masculine action. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, again, there's no need to legislate. Oh, we must pay X, Y, Z or X, X higher. Um, you just you just got to, you know, teach people. Uh, you know, gals, you know, everybody like, you know, you know what you're worth, go out and get what you're worth and, you know, go ahead and ask for it. And, 
yeah, I, I think it's it's a massive cultural issue. Yeah, and it's it's especially hurtful to me because I feel like if anybody had tried to teach me that I was a person of value, that I could have the things that I thought I deserved, mm-hmm. I could have avoided abusive relationships. I could have avoided lots of jobs where I felt like I I was doing really hard work and not getting paid a lot. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I could have started chasing my dreams a lot earlier than I did. Yeah. But a lot of my life I had to spend learning the hard way that you can have what you want and you can expect more for yourself and you can have what you think you deserve. And you're allowed to be happy. You know? Yeah. And, and that's that's something, I mean, that that's, that's writ large across culture is that, I mean, no one, you know, no matter what your chromosomes, you are not told you're allowed to be happy. But it doubles down, I think, on women. Absolutely. Well, men uh, are taught that they build the world, they control the world, they right. control the money. You know, that that's something like it's just taken for granted by men mm-hmm. that they will have this ability to do whatever they want. But for women, I mean, even if they are told that now, like there's all of these programs where like women in STEM, that that's great. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't fix the situation at home or at the workplace or even amongst their classmates. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still think that there's this pervasive, uh, you know, and maybe very subtle and beneath the level of consciousness behavior uh, that, you know, kind of like encourages people to look at women as less capable when that's not true. Absolutely. Uh, you're far more brilliant than I. So, <laughs> 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 but uh, now, so Okay, so now Sovereign Tech, I mean, has a, you know, what metrics I have basically runs 50-50, you know, as, as far as, and I mean, that's not getting into, you know, some some other possibilities, but basically, you know, there's a significant female, you know, audience and a significant male audience as well. Um, would you recommend, actually, let me ask you, would you recommend guys read this? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I think I think from the opposite perspective, you could learn a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's part of why I was so surprised that my supervisor recommended it to me. Like a man listened to this, right? A man who is in a position of power, being my supervisor, you know. Oh, he's very uh, high up at that company. Yeah. yeah, and I, you know, I had this experience while I was working there that was really wonderful. He was like entrusting me with all of these assignments that were very independent, mm-hmm. and um, you know, just treating me very much like a peer and an equal. Right. Uh, Imagine that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Whereas <laughs> other engineers in the same facility, I got very different attitudes from. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt like I was, you know, ignored or sneered sometimes or uh, like plenty of people wouldn't look me in the eye. Uh, they wouldn't address me. Right. Um, another thing, too, that this book has stated that I, I just now realize is so true like women are evaluated on their performance more so in the workplace, whereas men are evaluated on their potential. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so men can basically do no wrong as far as like, if they have a great potential, if they're just starting out and really ambitious, uh, you know, they are generally given more opportunities in the workplace. Whereas mm-hmm. like uh, from my experience, only my supervisor was giving me these opportunities. Nobody else was like reaching out to me and offering projects or anything. Right. Um, so yeah, it, 
I think it's a great book to listen to, whether you're a man or a woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, women definitely listen to it because it's going to empower the fuck out of you. <laughs> but <laughs> men listen to it because then maybe, you know, you can see how you can help. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I, I could almost make the the argument. There are so many books and I, I've had a lot of people I've in, in years previous um, I've had people email into the, sh- into the show and say like, you know, Brian, is there, are there any like great sex guides out there, you know, for, uh, for men and everything. And I'm like, no, don't, don't, don't read the sex guys, sex guides for men, read books, like come as you are read books that are all about the female anatomy, not yours. And because <laughs> trust me, if you please the lady. You are going to have a much better time. You're oh, yeah. <laughs> so okay. <laughs> That's really true. Yeah. So, and, and I, I think this, this, I mean, I'm, you know, don't want to directly compare it, but basically it's kind of in the same vein where, you know, l- learn more about something that's not you. And, and I think that you can engage the world in a much more uh, enlightened way. So, and, and, and maybe understand where more people are coming from. Um, what was the title of the book again? Women Don't Ask. All right. So women don't ask. We need that and a lot more Grace Jones uh, in the world. And, <laughs> and I think I think we'll all be better off. And I think we need more men like you. Oh. <laughs> I feel like you are the wind beneath my wings. <laughs> <sighs> you give me a sense of entitlement. <laughs> I will send you some Bitcoin later. No, I'm kidding. No. <laughs> the usual fee. Yeah, <laughs> that is very kind of you. Um, well, anyway. So uh, is there is there another book quick you want to you want to mention? Those are the only ones. That's it. That, all right. Those. So Sherlock Holmes and um, one more time. Women Don't Ask. Women Don't Ask. By Linda Babcock. Linda Babcock. So, all right. Uh, I'll get into mine fairly quickly. Um, one of them is Humankind by, uh, hold on, Rutger Bregman. I keep wanting to say Bergman, but Rutger Bregman. Um, he has another book too, Utopia for Realists, uh, I believe it's called. Anyway, the book Humankind is all about basically the notion that humans are, by and large, actually nice. You know that that survival of the friendliest. Um, you know, not not necessarily survival of the fittest, and so on. And I, I want to do a deeper dive on the book. I feel like it's a book I need to listen to again. Um, but. The most, when you get to, I'll say this, when you get to like chapter seven and chapter eight, he starts going after the, um, oh shit, uh, the Stanford prison experiment. He starts going after that. He goes after Milgram. I mean, and he just debunks the fuck out of all this research. And, And I mean, and he clearly shows that, you know, mainstream, uh, 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 psychology is well aware that, that these, you know, the supposed research has been debunked, but they just, they keep running with it anyway, you know? And I guess because it's a very positive narrative and it's, that's sort of a major point actually through both of his, his books. Um, in that one of his prevailing theories is that, you know, if you, if people all believe this is more of that cultural stuff, like you were talking about, if people believed that the person next door was, you know, inherently kind or at the very least not inherently evil, that more or less you, you wouldn't need people with power over you. 
you know, like you wouldn't need, uh, say perhaps governments, or there's a lot of different institutions that you just probably wouldn't feel like you need. And so he brings some very interesting evidence to the table from, uh, the late 19th century, early 20th century, and even into modern times that, that really that point at governments were only ever really terrified of people that talked about genuine peace, you know, like, like real peace and kindness. Uh, and that, and that's always really been the threat, you know? Um, I mean, well, anyway, we could, we could get into a big conversation around that, but it, it's a fascinating book. If anything, even if you don't agree with him on that, humans are somehow inherently benign. Even if you don't agree with that, the, the chapters specifically tearing apart the Stanford prison experiment, tearing apart, uh, you know, Milgram, uh, and even ripping apart Jared Diamond's work. And I mean, he just rips it apart. It's phenomenal. That's worth the whole read alone. So that I, I definitely recommend the book Humankind. Uh, you know, again, you don't, you know, you could say that he's oversimplifying at points, but man, when he starts shredding those experiments and that research, I, I mean, it, that that's the kind of stuff I get excited. I love it when somebody like really, really takes stuff apart like that. Yeah, um, I was surprised when you told me about it the other day. You mentioned that there were like meetings and that people were being influenced and told what to do mm -hmm. in these experiments, which no longer makes it objective. Oh yeah. 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 Like people are like, Oh, the, like with the Stanley prison experiment, people say all the time, Oh, well they just, they were, they were given badges and uniforms and suddenly they just turned evil. Oh no, no. Some of them resigned. Uh, you know, others, they, they had to get like the guy who was the psychologist who was doing, you know, the head of the, the experiment, he had to tell them, it's like, Hey, you're not being an asshole enough. Like you need to go in there, put on sunglasses. You need to be like, they were being guided. They didn't show any natural predilections at all. Um, and I mean, there's, there's, there's lots of other things that anyway, you got just, you got to listen to it. Sorry. Did you have more? No, I, I just was saying that when you told me that I was really surprised because uh, I mean, if that's if that's the case, then these experiments aren't objective. They're not proving anything. Right. Why are they still being taught in psychology courses as, you know, these landmark research experiments? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's times where uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, this as well as anybody could, I'm sure that uh, a lot of times you'll take the data that uh, fits in well with your theory. Right, and but what's exclude. the purpose of the theory, uh, you know, that people turn evil once they're get it, given authority? I I think, well, not that they necessarily turn evil or, well, yes, it is that they turn evil. But I think a lot of it really just comes down to that. Well, people are evil if you let them be. I mean, that that's that's like the circular logic of government, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, we need government because people are bad. People are bad because, and you know, but people are bad and that there's government. So like bad people must be in government, but people are bad. So we need government. And it's that constant circular logic, you know, but most people don't want to go with the circle or they think that, well, it's a necessary evil. Um, and well, anyway, I think this, this book does a, gives a pretty good thrashing uh, to that, to that notion. Um, I mean, and it's not like he spends a ton of time saying that somehow everybody's a fucking Mozart and brilliant or something like that, because if that was his argument, I wouldn't buy the book for a second. 
you know, like if you're just going to say, no, people are inherently, you know, uh, intelligent and they're you know, whatever. No, no, there are dummies out there. Okay. I mean, there are, there are really, <laughs> but just because they may not be the most intelligent people on the planet does not mean that they somehow would lack empathy or he has some interesting comments about empathy in the book too, but I'm not going to go down that road. Uh, that doesn't mean that they're somehow evil, you know? Uh, well, there certainly are people out there that are just evil. Oh yes. There's certainly people out there that are only kind to one another because there's a threat of violence if they do something wrong. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, but then a lot of that stuff is kind of like you were just talking about with your book as well. How much of this is culturally taught, you right. know, and, and that's, that is a, that's a major problem, but the, and, and, and this is amazing how this kind of works out because we didn't plan the initial conversation we had around nomophobia. People can adapt to new normals, you know, or people can adapt to new ways very quickly. Um, and so, you know, maybe there's some, uh, I hate this word, maybe there's some hope, you know, in, in, in that. Yeah, maybe eliminating the cycle of violence mm-hmm. it would die out pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, and maybe, maybe people would get used to it pretty quickly. Uh, but, well, anyway, only time will tell if any of that happens. But those are bigger conversations for another time. So the other book, I'll just mention it quickly. This is actually recommended to me by a just a phenomenal sovereign tech listener. Uh, they recommended it in the telegram group. Of course, if you want to join the telegram group, the links are all over the place in the show notes. You can't miss it. Just have telegram installed and you're there. Um, and it's the immortality key by Brian C. Murarescu. I don't think I pronounced his last name right. And I'm one that has, I, I have a history of very funny last names. So uh, bad on me. Uh, this is a very interesting book. I'll put it that way. What I've read so far is fascinating. It basically has to do, it's kind of like John Allegro's work and he has yet to mention John Allegro. And I'm a little pissed off about that. Uh, it's very much cause I I've brought up John Allegro's work on this show in the past, which is his book from the sixties. And he did a, like kind of a rehash in the seventies, uh, the sacred mushroom and the cross, which is the idea that Christianity comes out of a mushroom cult, you know, like psilocybin, you know, and all, all that, all that stuff. Um, I am going to do a deep dive on this book. Uh, I'm going to guarantee that I am going to, I'm going to review this thing because there's some things that I've heard. I already have problems with, um, but I'm checking it out. It's interesting. It's not a necessarily new argument to me, but certainly there, there are some newer notions like the idea that, you know, there, there's the, the historical concept that, uh, civilization started because of bread. You know, that like bread was the first biological technology and like, you know, we love bread so much that we finally sat down and stopped being nomads. This book makes a very interesting (laughs) historical case that it was actually beer, not bread, but beer is the, is the, is the thing that more or less brought on civilization. Uh, They're both wheat products. Yeah. Yeah. Very shocking clean. Um, Of course, there's more to it than just, you know, the fact that that civilization started with Budweiser. Uh, I mean, I can't think of a more depressing uh, notion, but um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it it seems like civilization still runs on Budweiser these days, frankly. I I think it was different back then. I mean, if you look at native peoples who drink fermented drinks, Mm -hmm. they're ceremonial. They only drink them very special times of the year. 
Yeah, yeah. And and again, this this gets into it's arguing that that wasn't just beer. Like there was something very special in that in that brew. Oh, sure. Uh, I mean, yeah. it's probably not just yeast. There might be fungi in there, too. Right, right, right. Uh, so anyway, uh, <laughs> I will as I go through this book more. Um, as when I finish it, I am definitely going to do a review, probably be during a Sovereign Tech Climax, uh, because I think it's a book that's worthy of discussion because it's touching on a subject ultimately that I'm very interested in, which is Prisca Theologia. But I am going to leave that there. So we done with book club. Feeling good? Yeah. Feeling okay. pretty good about that. Why don't we go ahead and take a break and okay. then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about Lily Jean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that. But really, no, we're going to talk about Lily Jean, but you you got it. You got to hear this to believe it. Uh, We'll be right back with some more Sovereign Tech. Hey, is Sovereign Tech not enough for you? Well, let me tell you about something you'll never get enough of. No, no, I mean it. We're talking about a radio show and podcast that goes All night long, seven nights a week, three hours a night, 365 days a year, and has been going since the early aughts, baby. I am talking about none other than Free Talk Live. It's the show you control. That's right. It's an open phones call-in show that is ready for you. And if you're worried that your voice isn't going to get heard, don't be. We are talking about the only libertarian radio show stateside. And not only that, it's also the number 26 talk show in the United States. Start listening now and go ahead and hit that massive back catalog at freetalklive.com. The Golden Stallion guarantees a good time, and you might even find some episodes with me on them when you do. That's freetalklive.com, and we thank them for sponsoring Sovereign Tech. Let's get back to the show. The Main Story All right, it is time for our main story, and this is something, I forget how the conversation came up between you and I, Ellen, but you said you, you, you have to see, you have to see this, this is unbelievable, and and I'll just cut to the chase on it, this person has like faked their entire life. Yeah, I think I watched it earlier that day, and I was just so disturbed by the reality of this that I, I just had to tell you about it. It was one of those things that you just can't keep to yourself. You have to like offload it onto someone else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just, you kind of sit the person down. It's like, look, you just, I need you to listen to me for five minutes. It's not going to make any sense, but please just listen. And, you know, and, and that's about how it went. But, and, and you told me about this gal, Lily Jean, who is a YouTube quote unquote, and I'm putting that in quotes star. Okay. An influencer, which influencers that's <laughs> <laughs> a term lo- used very loosely yeah it, it means nothing and is nothing but um despite what they what the influencers would tell you so as soon as you told me about it i said well share me on the video like like what what is this i gotta i gotta know and the video is about i don't know 15 minutes long something like that so if you set it to 2x you're done in a few minutes and, and you'll have gotten the story and it's linked in the show notes you can check it out if you want it's fairly well done fairly well put together what do you got wow i'm just surprised you linked that one <laughs> oh there, there's a ton more i mean because a lot of people are, are calling this gal out yeah. um but anyway Good luck to them 
Yeah, right. So <laughs> Lily Jean, not Billy Jean, uh, great song. No, Lily Jean. She is, did they say how old she was? Uh, she's in her 20s. 20s. Yeah, I'm yeah. not really sure how old she is exactly. So she is claiming to be one of these, um, I mean, I guess makeup. A makeup artist. Makeup artist uh, YouTubers are, it, it's like, you know, gamers on YouTube, you know, like it's a popular thing. Yeah. <laughs> wow. What? So like, it's just funny hearing you talk about this because clearly you don't know anything about the makeup artist no. industry on YouTube. None. So there's a whole community of makeup artists right. on YouTube and it's very popular amongst women, I guess. Mm-hmm. And some men, uh, not many, but there, uh, sure. there are definitely male makeup artists on there too. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a community and it is also partially an industry. I mean, like famous people such as Jeffree Star, they do their own makeup tutorials. They mm-hmm. even have like sponsored palettes that they'll get made. Or, right. But um, a lot of these people that are like the most professional of the makeup artists, they'll have sponsors. They'll like specifically name the brushes or the products that they're using. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are plenty of other people who are makeup artists who are just you know, really good at art, but they're not famous yet, but they've, right. they've got like a hundred thousand followers on YouTube or something. Sure. Uh, and they're good at what they do. Uh, but anyway, it's just, it's always like exciting to find a new makeup artist or like a look that's inspired by something that you love. Yeah. I mean, so I'll say this much while I don't know anything about that community. I am, I am somewhat familiar, uh, with, well, I mean, I'm familiar more with things from like the Hollywood end um, and maybe the just adjacent of Hollywood end of that. Uh, <laughs> right. And uh, and I'm well aware of the the absolute artistry that goes into that. I mean, if you're a great makeup artist, you can basically make any face look like anything. Yes. Um, I mean, like, really, <laughs> like, like you can make anybody look like anything. Mm-hmm. And, and it's it's remarkable to see those results. Um, you know, before YouTube was a thing, I mean, I've even looked at books like that. I remember in Barnes and Noble where you could see, you know, like these makeup artists and what they could do with people. And it was just mind blowing, you know, to, to see that it is absolute art and an absolute talent skill. This is something, this is a honed craft that you have to get into. Now, Lily Jean, her craft may have not been so honed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, the YouTube video that I sent you that yes. is in the show notes. Yes. Um, it will show some of her makeup artistry. Um, and the the guy narrating the video says he thought it was somewhat basic. And mm-hmm. I would agree with that. I mean, she's she's doing makeup and she's filming herself doing it. But it's not artistic in the sense that, like, it doesn't have... The, the the skill of the steady hand of an artist behind it. Yeah, she does a shit job. And so the, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not very impressive. Like, like you know. Right. And, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and I, I am no no auteur or uh, or no no connoisseur, I should say, of, uh, of of makeup artistry, as I made clear. But even I can look at that and go, yeah. Eh, you're not that good at that. And and, that, and that's all right. You know, not that somebody has to be good at it, right? Do, do whatever you want to do. But the oddity here is that, so maybe that makeup artistry isn't that good, but she has a million, almost a million followers on Instagram. 
And I mean, we're talking like 970 K like, like just about, you know, a million, a million followers on Instagram. And there are people in this makeup artistry community, right. That look at her and say, wait a minute, like, Hey, she's not that good at this. How does she have way more followers than I, not, not just like a few more followers or not just in their league, but like superstar level followers, you right. know, like how, how is that, how is that happening? Um, in her feeds, you see that, or it appears we should be clear on that. She, uh, has been on the cover of teen Vogue. Um, she was at the Met Gala walking like the red carpet there. Yeah. You know? Like Lady Gaga. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. Um, all, all, yeah, all kinds of, anyway, anyway, it looks like she's just a very, you know, someone who's in with the celebrities, very, you know, very big deal. But then you kind of look at everything she's producing and it's like, wait, something doesn't add up here. Yeah. And you watch her videos uh, on YouTube and she doesn't have, it doesn't seem like she has a real personality. It's like mm-hmm. she's acting it all out. Right. Uh, and you see footage of like her in her home with her mother. They don't seem like elevated people. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll just, and we're, we're not elevated people either. So. Well, well, I, I would argue with that. Uh, well, anyway. <laughs> I mean, we're certainly enlightened and, and, and well, anyway, I'm not saying like monetarily elevated or anything, mm-hmm. just people with a, a sense of refinement and sense of self-respect. And, mm-hmm. and that really shows in other aspects of life too. Like what you surround yourself with. Yeah. And it appears that like the paparazzi's following her, like she shares videos and photos that apparently were her being followed, was her being followed by the paparazzi. Um, she supposedly has her own makeup line. Um, all these things she, you know, by, by the metrics, not by, you know, taking a look at her actual like work, you know, her videos, but by the metrics, I mean, she's as big as, I don't know, pick your celebrity. Like, like she seems like she's a very, very big deal. Um, yeah, I know makeup artists who are like living in Paris, right. who actually work for, for big names who right. are incredibly talented and they have maybe just slightly more followers than she does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So the thing is, is that as some uh, some some sleuthing, some research has been done into, you know, what is the what, what's the mystique around this Lily Jean? It's all bullshit. Supposedly. Suppose, apparently, yeah, <laughs> apparently it, it's just it's all bullshit. For one, I mean, some of the things, you, you know, it's easy to see. Like, I mean, a million followers. That's not an inexpensive proposition to do. To purchase? To, to, yeah. I mean, this is not something I've ever engaged in. I mean, the only real, I have like 4,000 followers like on Twitter. There was a point where I guess I was a little more popular a few years ago and maybe I had closer to 10 or something like that. But, you know, I say incendiary shit and, and people run for the hills. <laughs> and the way I see it is like, oh, I guess, uh, you know, I did that right. So, but- so it, it, you know, you can buy that many followers. It's just, that's not cheap. Okay. Um, yeah. And in the video, the way that 
the narrator was talking about this, he actually like had he somehow found statistics of her followers mm-hmm. over a period of time. Yes. Uh, and it was like up close to a million. And then for one month, it dropped dramatically. Right. And then went right back up the next month. Yeah. Like it would go down from, you know, like 150 K or it'd be like 150 K to like six K in like some of the YouTube views and everything. Like it's a very clear pattern that somebody bought a ton of views or followers or whatever else. Right. You know, and the engagement numbers aren't even like 1% of the audience. Not that, that that's, that that's that odd. And I want to be abundantly clear here, real celebrities, quote unquote, whatever that means, but real celebrities say even the rock go down the list of them. They buy followers and all this shit too. I mean, like, like this is just, this is how the game works. And I don't like it. I mean, I don't do it, but I, you know, I, I don't like it. Um, but you know, you can't really get mad at her for buying followers when everybody buys followers. Sure. But I, I get the idea. Like attracts like, you know, if sure. you're somebody that lots of people follow, then maybe when people see that they're going to be impressed into following you as well. But right. that only really works if you have something to offer. True. True. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point. So now, you know, the follower thing, not a big deal. If that were the only, you know, part of this, I'd just be like, yeah, whatever. Everybody does that. Like, sure. again, even Jennifer Aniston does it. Who, you know, yeah, who cares? It's not a big deal. No, it's not. It's not. Um, maybe, maybe David Attenborough didn't, but whatever. All right. It's part uh, of the fake it till you make it new generation. Of, yeah. Or of- even if you've made it, it's part of that because making it is frankly a fake. But regardless of that, where it gets really bad is that, so the makeup line that she apparently has, it's not a makeup line. There's like a company called, uh, what is it? Uh, Bite. What is it? Bite? Cosmetics. Yeah. But, I, th- yeah. I think so. Something like that. Bite Beauty or whatever yeah, it's called. Yeah, she went and made some custom lipstick. Yeah, it's a, it's the, it's like a Build-A-Bear for, for makeup. Right. And she treated it like it was some kind of affiliation, you know, like that that somehow they had some kind of partnership deal going on. That's not true. And apparently they went after her and said, you have to stop talking like that. And you, you know, you can't make that claim. Right. Um, and so that is, that seems to be absolute bullshit. Like, like there, there's the evidence for that. Um, then the, the teen Vogue magazine, uh, no, like that, that's Photoshopped. Totally fake. They weren't even printing magazines at that time. Exactly. Right. So we know that it's a fake. Um, yeah, I mean, great. And another place where I just want to be fair, most magazine covers, and I mean, a hundred percent are Photoshopped. Sure. So <laughs> it's not like she necessarily did something that the industry itself doesn't do. So I want to be fair on that. But where things were not fair is her, uh, Photoshopping herself into that Met Gala, um, uh, uh, Op, yeah, know. she cropped herself. She put herself over another celebrity. Right. And Which was it Lady Gaga? I don't remember who it was yeah. specifically. Anyway. But the way that the this was found out was there was a weird distortion in the bushes behind her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, the person doing the video was able to match that picture with another picture and see like, oh, she just photoshopped herself over this other person. Right. Yeah. Um. So, you know, bottom line with a lot of this now, I mean, there's other parts to it too. Like she probably created sock accounts, you know, or like fake accounts that she would interact with. Yeah. But that it, were really bad. 
Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Some of them were like terribly racist. Yeah. Very racist or sexist. Mm hmm. Um, and it was very strange because like she created entire backstories for all of these accounts. And there's like 15 to 30 accounts that she would regularly interact with, but they weren't real people. And eventually Instagram took a lot of those, a lot of those accounts down, I guess. Uh, my understanding of it is, um, then there's the claim that her mother was actually the one taking, like she was the one pretending to be the paparazzi. Right. Taking she, all the photos of her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now this gal is, uh, homeschooled. So, you know, and that doesn't, I don't know that that necessarily means anything. Um, but it's Except just the, that she stays home and doesn't interact with people a lot. Well, admittedly it helped with the facade and that's not a knock on, I think homeschooling's great. You know, I have no problem with that. I think unschooling's great. I have no problem with any of that. Sure. Okay. Um, but because you know, she wasn't, she didn't really have a peer group that she interacted with in a prison. I mean, a school every day, um, you know, for most of her life that helped her fake this whole thing because otherwise there just would have been kids at school that could have easily said, no, she didn't do that. No, she right. was, she was in history class. What are you talking about? You know, or whatever. Um, so, well, I mean, if she's in her twenties, I don't know what that, well, I don't even, I don't recall how long she's been doing this for amazingly. Even with all this happening, with the brands dropping their affiliate links with her or dropping their affiliation or affiliate contracts with her and all this other stuff going on, um, she's still going. She, well, she I, had a video come out a day ago. Go ahead. I think the worst, most disturbing part of this story is when other real talented makeup artists were, they started asking about Lily Jean and mm -hmm. like, what's going on with this person? Who is she? And what what's her story uh people started investigating into her and lily jean and her mother left some really nasty threatening comments very threatening yeah, yeah. and they they were get well supposedly they were reporting people's accounts as spam accounts and right. getting them permanently shut down people who had built up a following over years their accounts just gone yeah and that might have been their livelihood yeah. Um, and then there were some, like there's a guy danger zone or something. Like there were some other YouTubers who were apparently coming in to defend Lily Jean and they were doxing some of the other somewhat prominent members of the makeup community. Yeah. It was so creepy. They were just like looking up all of their personal information on a live stream. Yeah. I think it's pretty clear. And apparently a whole hell of a lot of other people do. It's pretty clear that she, she's faking this whole thing. You know, this whole life that she leads, it's just all a ruse, you know, like it's, it's all, you know, it's Photoshopped. It's, and again, to be fair, you know, most of what you, you think is like real online and that like the you know, celebrities are doing and everything. A lot of that's fake too. Right. I mean, even the Photoshop covers, Oprah has three hands, you know, I, I mean, like, like this is <laughs> this, 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 this shit happens. All right. So <laughs> yeah. Michelle Obama has a penis. <laughs> right. Whoa. Uh, no, so, That'd be easy enough to Photoshop. I, I, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's not like she isn't doing anything that, people that go for this kind of celebrity dumb or even have it don't do anyway. They right. do. And I understand that, but it is a, I wanted to talk about it. I wanted to get into it 
to drive home something I've been saying for many years on this show. The internet, <laughs> it's just, I, this isn't going to shock anybody when I phrase it this way, but the internet is full of lies. All right. And it's so easy to make up a lie. Yes. To fake literally every part of your life that you put online. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, this is something, I mean, I can speak for with the podcast, if you want to call it the podcast community, even though that's such a broad thing now, you know, there's no one podcast community. But, uh, you know, there's circles I used to run in. And, and I've done my own little exposés on a lot of this stuff, like with, um, you know, like libertarians or, you know, ANCAPs, various anarchists and all this different stuff. Uh, you know, again, circles I used to run in. And these guys and gals uh, would make themselves like, oh, wow, yeah, my backwards album was huge and all this stuff. And it was all there. They were all behind the scenes, like saying, hey. Everybody come and like my post here. Everybody come and like my post here. Everybody bump my shit up on Steam it. Everybody come, you know, these people are all faking shit, you know, that they're, they're making it seem like they're a big deal when they're not. Now, when you fake the big deal, it lures in honest people, right? Because by the, you know, at a quick blush and you're not thinking too hard and I don't blame people for going on YouTube and not thinking too hard. I wouldn't, but you know, it looks legit and you're like, oh, wow, this person must have really something, you know, something special to say. I, I, sh I should check this out or whatever. Um, but no, they're, they're full of shit. Uh, <laughs> and it just speaks to the very real problem around, you know, the, this like this Internet famous, uh, this Internet famousness. I just I think it's all crap, you know, and, and most people's followers are bought. You know, I'm not going to say it's all there's some people who I think have, you know, like Steve Gibson has over 20,000 followers on Twitter. I imagine that's legit because why would Steve Gibson buy? He doesn't need to do that crap. You know what I mean? Like, there's just no need for that. Yeah, he's and, already had his career. Yeah, right. I mean, there's so there's there's people where, where it's not necessarily true, but so much of what you think somehow matters. And, and all of this, you know, I mean, there's just it's it's fake. Um. And this isn't even getting into the issue of where you're only like, say on Instagram, right? We've talked, I mean, people have talked about this for years now. You're only getting the best moments of somebody's life most of the time. Yeah. Well, that's like cherry picking and filtering the good moments. It's right. not really like, you know, faking a whole life story. But, yeah. But yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. Yeah. Or there's even, there, there have been stories about, you know, people who have a million followers on YouTube. They're waitresses. You know, like, like they have to work as a waitress and like they'd be, they'd be actually serving, uh, serving at a banquet and somebody would recognize them from YouTube. It's like, wait, what are you, why are you working as it's like, well, I don't make any money off of fucking YouTube, but, but then you've got everybody walking around thinking, oh, they have a million followers on, uh, you know, on YouTube. They, boy, they must be something special. They must be fucking amazing. And I mean, for me, I want to hear from you, Ellen, you know, what, what this, what, what is the, the, the woes of this tale, but Really, for me, it it's just, you know, the, the, these are just people and most of them are just faking it. Do not give these people any kind of adulation or credit. Don't think that they're any kind of a big deal. They are not worthy of your attention in time um, unless they really are saying something objectively interesting for you or they really are doing something objectively uh, 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 enriching. And I just... But otherwise, I, you know, I, I just can't imagine it. And, and, but it seems like 
I don't know. I mean, I'm in, I work in PR and so I'm, I'm hypersensitive to this stuff and it just, it gets very frustrating because you, you see how the sausage is made with so much of this stuff. And when you get a story like this, I just think it's terrifying because people fell for it, you know, and, and, and this gal and like, what is going on in this gal's head to where she wants to Photoshop herself into all these moments and like treat it like it really happened. I mean, Boy, what's I don't, going I don't, on with her mother that she's helping her out with all yeah, this? Yeah, that's... Helping her to live a, a fake life. That's very, very weird. And that's a whole other subject, too, is like uh, mommy managers of mm-hmm. YouTubers, you know, like parents that are basically schlepping out their kids, you know, to be YouTube stars. And, I mean, not that that's new either. There's plenty of parents that did that with their children in Hollywood. And who the fuck knows what was done to those children? It's yeah, terrible. children going into beauty pageants and uh, stuff like that. It's, yeah, it's all the same crap, but I, I mean, when you watch this, you got to watch this video because the level to which she was able to fake all this should make you just skeptical of every single thing you see online. And that's what I'd love for people to walk away from, you know, after talking about this, because it, it, it's mind blowing how much she was able to fake and how many people believed it. But what 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 do you got, Ellen? Yeah, that's true. There's always, you know, multiple sides to every story. Mm-hmm. And the one that the creator puts out isn't the entire truth. Yeah. And you have to know that with anything that you see online. Sure. Um, there's there's always other perspectives. And they're not the ones that are being broadcast. Uh so I, like I understand why Lily Jean would want to be famous and why she would go through oh, this understand. fake yeah, it sure. till you make it yep. sort of process. Like you know, there are people in this world that want to be actors, that want to be superstars, and they feel like they were born for it. Sure. They just don't have any easy inroad. And the internet makes it so much easier to kind of build that for yourself. I mean, it doesn't always work, as is, you know, the case here. But I think it, you know, it can enable you if you're already the kind of person that lives in a fantasy like you can actually make that more of a reality through your internet presence um but i like that's part of why i find it so disturbing because like it you know the internet is enabling that yeah i I mean the only reality is reality okay and folks before anybody thinks anything i'm saying anything different no there is an objective reality but the reality is not on the screen. Like it's, it's just not on the, there's, there's no reality on that screen. Okay. Um, I, hell, even in reality, like, boy, I, oh, the things I could say. <laughs> I just feel like when you watch any YouTube video, when you meet any star online, uh, you know, take what benefits you from them, but don't buy into the persona that they're selling you. I mean, don't do that with anyone. Yeah. Everyone is just human. You know, there's no one that deserves like extra special adulation because they got a million views on YouTube. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, 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 I totally agree with that, but th- there is this perception that like what's going online is, is representative somehow of the real world. And that's, that's just not true. That That's not remotely true. Like the angst, the anger on Twitter, you know, that that's going back and forth and slinging hash and this way and that in the political realm and everything. Most of that crap is just on Twitter. The average person does not think that way. And I mean, to speak of like Rutger Bregman's work, I mean, the average person, you know, we go to the grocery store. 
Nobody's screaming at each other over Biden versus Trump or anything like that. People are just going shopping. You know, you know what I mean? In in the real world, people just go more or less go along. Now, granted, I mean, we, you know, we had those idiots driving by uh, in their Trump rally. Oh, that was so annoying. Right. Um, but those are people that are out of touch with reality. But also but, those people were in vehicles. Right. Which is a protection from the outside world. You know, people on the Internet, they're protected from reality. They they don't have to be mm-hmm. in person communicating with people. They're only using verbal communication. They're not getting any of the nonverbal, right. which which makes up the vast majority of communication. Yeah. So if you were in the same room with someone who was, for example, like ready to scream about Trump, mm-hmm. uh, they probably would communicate with you in a little bit more reasonable fashion if you were face to face as opposed to online. Yeah. Because they would have to come to terms with how you were responding. Yeah. And you know, the amount of time, the, the, the time sink that had to be involved with creating this persona, the, this, this, this fake life that Lily Jean uh, engaged in. That's that's the other part that's kind of mind boggling to me is that I mean, and I see this like I'm on Twitter. I don't grasp. And some of these people, they are genuinely real people. I don't think they're faking anything necessarily online. But I have no concept of how they can tweet as much as they do during the day. Like, I I, I have no idea. Is somebody actually paying them to tweet and just like drop a ton of hot takes or whatever? If so. Uh, what's the secret Facebook group that I need to join to where I could get that pay? Because boy, all right, you know, <laughs> I mean, I can write. Uh, I just, I, I don't, I think that you should look at perhaps how, uh, I don't even like to use the word prolific, but I'll use it. How prolific someone is on these platforms. And I dare say the more prolific they are, uh, the more disturbed and the further away you should be from them. Uh, by the, you know, the more disturbed you should be by them and the further away you should be from them because nobody should have that kind of time. If they're actually living a fucking life, you can't hold down a job. If you're texting every 20 minutes, no, you can't. I mean, I'm, I am baffled at the amount of tweets that go out per day by some of these people. And, and I just, I don't fathom and, and, and they get tons of hearts and everything. And it just, I, I, I can't, I, I can't understand it. I don't know what's going on there. Um, what do you got? You, you, you got yeah, any- no, I, I agree. I feel like it, it it really is a red flag if somebody has a huge online presence because that means they're not present in the real world. Right. And they're not they're not connected to what's going on in front of them. It's all, you know, in in the ether. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and even when you like you put that much stuff out there, can you even remember what you did the day previous? I mean, like, do you even know what you're supposedly putting out there in the world that you think is so goddamn important when you do so much? I I, I don't know. I- <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And I feel like it really damages a person, too, when they turn to the Internet, it, when they become reliant on it as a means of communication, because mm-hmm. then they, you know, it, it's like you're communicating with uh, j- just words, you know. Like maybe there are people behind those words, but you never have to actually interact with those people. Yeah. And, you know, I get and and I want to kind of phase into another conversation here, but it's relevant. It's related to this. I get um, why a lot of people, you know, and I've, I've mentioned this commercial many times. It's a classic from the 90s for America Online. This was this ran on TV nonstop. I, I remember seeing it over and over and over again. 
And you had this, you had a guy on it. You, they're saying why they go on America online in this one, like really. And I, and look, folks, folks, I'm the king of the nerds. You understand? Like literally. So I'm, I'm not insulting my own people, but I'm just saying in a very nerdy way, he just said, I, I like going online because I can be someone I'm not. <laughs> and wow. Oh, straight faced. You know, this guy says this young guy says this in the, in the commercial. Yeah. I'm sure you can find it on, on YouTube somewhere of all ironies. Well, uh, nobody ever pointed out to him the inherent contradiction in what he said, that he cannot actually be something he's not. <laughs> maybe he just has certain inhibitions released or removed when he goes online. Well, eventually it catches up with you, kind of like I did with Lily Jean. But my point here is that I get it to why people like to do that because they get to be, they get to go online and they get to do exactly what Lily Jean did. They get to pretend to be somebody that they're not. They get to pretend to be a rock star on Facebook, right? When actually they're at home, uh, probably don't even have their pants on, you know, and they're sitting at their <laughs> laptop, if they even have one, you know, or really they have their smartphone out, maybe a beer in the other hand, right? You know, cradle of civilization and, you know, downing that while they're typing out, yeah, you know, whatever. Okay. Oh, civilization could not have been built if people were alcoholics. Not at that level. Yeah. Uh, so, and I get where, you know, and this is something that I want to have this conversation with you and you've wanted to have it. Because the other aspect is, is that now you have this thing called filters. We've had them for a little while. Okay. They, you know, they, they didn't really start with Instagram, but certainly Instagram made them popular, but you have filters where, you know, you can kind of fuzz out what would be conventionally called. And I'm being and understand folks and being empathetic here and saying they're conventionally called out as imperfections say on your face. Um, you know, you can look younger, you can look more beautiful conventionally, conventionally folks, please don't misunderstand me. Um, you know, I mean, it's makeup on steroids, what you can do with some of the software, you know, some of these apps, right. With, with a lot of these filters. And I mean, now like, so the, the Google camera app, this is interesting. I actually had this lined up for a different episode of sovereign tech, uh, for during the foreplay, but the Google camera app used to have automatic filtering where it would automatically beautify or whatever. Google's turning that off where that that's not default now. Uh, you could still Good. turn it on, but, the, but, and the, but their argument for why they're turning it off is because they consider it psychologically damaging. Yeah. Right. And so, I mean, even people who don't have a million followers on Instagram after a fashion are faking it online. And most of us, I think can see it, you know, when somebody's using something to kind of fuzz their face, you know? To smooth things out. Well, you never know. I mean, some of these filters are pretty smart. <laughs> some of them are pretty good. You're right. Just like there's makeup that, you know, only accents and doesn't take over, you know, say a look. Please don't compare this to makeup. Don't, don't compare it to makeup. No, filters are something completely that, different. Go ahead and explain it. Like, that's fine. But but go ahead and, and run it by me. Wow. Okay. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm with you. Just just go ahead. Go ahead and run it by me. So filters are something that you put on photos that you want to put online these mm -hmm. pictures you expect to last forever right mm -hmm. they're they're going to be exposed to many people into perpetuity right um and fi with filters you can really fake a lot i mean yeah. you can 
there are filters that not only change tone and color and like warmth of a photo, but they can add like a little sparkle to your face or put yes. blush on your cheeks and yeah. make your eyes look wider and and like your lips more pink and your skin is so smooth and porcelain. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and there are tons of apps that do this. Yes. Uh, it, it's very easy to do. Um, but a, a filter on a photo, I think, is is faking reality. Whereas I do not think that makeup fits into that category. So I I agree. I think. But would you say there are times where makeup and I'm not saying you're doing it because you're going to a costume ball. OK, of course, that there, there's a point to that. Um do you do you think that there are cases where makeup is used to uh, 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 to to fool reality? Halloween. Well, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> what I mean. You go to a party, sure, of course. I'm saying where like you are putting on makeup to cover up something that uh, I don't know some some reality of yourself that you consider to be an imp- that is conventionally considered an imperfection. And again, folks, I'm saying conventionally, people can look however they want, and they're going to be beautiful. You know, do you think Go men ahead. grow beards to hide imperfections on yes. their face? Yes, yes, <laughs> absolutely. There are a lot, and not all, but there are a lot of men who grow beards to hide the fact that they don't have a chin. But do they also grow beards because they just like the way their face looks with facial hair? Absolutely, yes. So this is the interesting thing about not just makeups, but any sort of mask that someone puts on their face, whether Mm -hmm. it be glasses or a beard or hats, whatever. Uh, They're used to conceal, but they're also used to express. They can be both at the same time. Yes. And... For women who wear makeup, it can be used to conceal certain flaws, but it can also be used to exaggerate certain things that they really like about their face. Mm-hmm. So I I don't think that makeup is necessarily faking reality. It can, uh, you know, like maybe for people who are on television, they wear an obscene amount of makeup. I remember when I was in theater, we would put on like disgusting layers of thick, oily makeup just to make our facial, our faces and our facial features like visible from very far away. Yeah, there's a point to it. Yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I think makeup can be used on a daily basis, not only to like conceal things about your face you might not like so much, just like men do with facial hair, mm-hmm. but it can also be used to accentuate and even express the way that you feel internally, the what you want to express artistically. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a reason that artists exist around this idea. Yes. Uh, because it is an art. And it's something that people do uh, as a creative exercise, not just as a way to hide things about themselves. Right. And maybe that's what people who have kind of like there there are certainly women out there. I'm not going to deny that only put on makeup because they feel like a cultural pressure to look perfect and and to hide certain things about themselves. Yeah. But I think for the vast majority of women, it's an empowering experience to have nice makeup and to put on makeup in a way that makes them feel like they can put their best foot forward and express the beauty that they feel within. I'm with you. I'm with you. Like a hundred percent. I'm totally with you. So what bothers you? about Instagram filters or filters in general, photo filters in general? Well, I guess 
it's it's the idea of like capturing a moment and then feeling like you have to make it better than it already is. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you don't want to like look that good in real life, but you want to look that good in a photo, um, like why not? Why not? You know, <laughs> like why not have that persona in real life? I, I just I feel like there's a disconnect between reality and online presence and like for people who are using Instagram filters on every single one of their photos, it's uh, I just feel like they're not putting in the effort in real life. They're not actually taking the responsibility to uh, like make that a reality. Mm-hmm. They want to look that way online but like when people meet them in person that's not how they're going to express themselves that's not how they're going to appear i mean you can make the argument that like all appearances are deception oh, oh <laughs> somebody's getting deeply philosophical <laughs> <laughs> and like you know that's more true online than i think it is in person mm-hmm. uh because again you can just pretend to be whatever you want online right um, but I just, I, I also think that like the widespread use of filters online helps to perpetuate this false standard of perfection in beauty, uh-huh. which doesn't exist. There is no such thing as perfect. You can chase it forever, but you'll never. It's unknowable, right? It. Exactly. <laughs> somebody, somebody might've said that recently. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think, I think you're hitting at it and that is a major concern of, of mine as well, is that there is this somehow, like there is always a better you that you can constantly strive to be that exists within reality. Right. And I think that's a very, dare I say, even noble, uh, very worthwhile thing to engage in, you know, like improving yourself and getting yourself closer to what, you know, your mind's eye sees of yourself. I think those are wonderful, wonderful things. Perfection is a conventional concept. Like I just said, perfection is unknowable. And perfection is actually within all of the imperfection. Uh, That's a paradoxical statement, but it's true. It's not a new one for Sovereign Tech either, but it's absolutely true. Uh, You know, perfection comes out of the, you know, the differences and the diversity uh, that, I mean, we have even on our own bodies, you know, that allows for a perfection of movement or a, you know, but again, that issue of that, there is somehow this standard, you know, and I get it. You can argue that beauty comes ultimately from symmetry, you know, like there, there's, there's an evolutionary argument for that. And I understand that, but we're so far, I, I feel like humanity, or at least it can choose to be now. And many of it, much of it is, is so far beyond any of those notions. Like we, we don't, need anything perpetuating it. Yeah. And I think it's hard to even argue that because the, this world standards of beauty from country to country are so different. Vastly different. Yes. Yeah. I I don't know if you ever saw that documentary, Samsara. Uh, I think that's what it was called. No speech throughout. It's just showing film from multiple different cultures Mm -hmm. of like what they think the most beautiful women are. Mm -hmm. And, it varies so much from country to country. It's really incredible. Uh, so I, I think it's hard to say that there's any universal standard of beauty. Yeah. The what's 
I'll put it this way. What I think is universally sexy is confidence, you know? And I mean, certainly we could, we could bring in uh, you know, a little clip of Jack, Jack Palance, you know, saying <laughs> confidence is very sexy. Don't you think, you know, that whole thing. <laughs> yes. Confidence is, is, is universally sexy. Why? Because we have plenty of research now. In fact, some of this is talked about in uh, humankind, the book I mentioned earlier, even plenty of evidence now that people don't necessarily respond to what's true. Like you get a lot of people asking, how does Trump happen? How do all these things happen? People don't respond to truth. They respond to certainty. Certainty. That's something and, he's got. <laughs> yeah. Certainty and truth are not the same thing. No. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, and that, but that speaks to that certainty, just how powerful certainty is to the human psyche. And that's why confidence is sexy universally. Because it, it's nay, uh, I mean, we could say it's evolutionary, but regardless, it's here, it's how it is now, no matter where it came from. Certainty is, is you know, is something that we respond to stronger than anything else in human interaction. And that's, that's what's kind of funny about this, is that I think a lot of people will use not just Instagram filters, They'll use metrics on YouTube, on Instagram. They'll use, uh, I don't know, whatever, sock accounts. They'll use all these things to build up a faux sense of confidence, right? A false sense of being, uh, you know, they'll do these things because it makes them feel powerful or makes them feel confident. But then ironically, because it's all fake and once somebody knows that it's fake, the confidence is is no longer perceived by the other party that you were trying to get in the first place, and it's all a sham. My point being, it is far to me, it is far more impressive, sexy, interesting, engaging, enrapturing to see somebody truly embracing who they who and what they are. No filters, none whatsoever, ever. And you know, and, and just you being confident in, in that and being you, that's that certainty that I'm going to respond to far better because I got to tell you, and I don't care. People can do whatever the fuck they want. But when I see filters in a picture, I don't get enraged, but I do get very annoyed when I see that because it's like, oh, that's not you. Let me see you. I need something real because everything else online is fucking fake. Lily Jean, you know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't do it. <laughs> and and so it it it, it just drives me up the wall. Um, the last thing we need is more, you know, false falsehood. That's the last thing we need right now. Yeah, and especially for women, they don't need more of this like oppressive belief that you have to be perfect in every photo at every moment. That's not true at all. I mean, you are beautiful the way you are. You know, and, and yeah, exactly. And, and th they can say to me, it's like, yeah, but if I don't, I'm not going to get that guy. No, you don't need that guy. You know, <laughs> you don't, you don't, you say you need the guy. No, you don't need the filter. Cause you don't need the guy. Get the fuck him. Well, it's also ridiculous to think that a filter is going to make the difference between you getting to date this guy or not. Yeah. I mean, if you can't do that on your personality alone, then you're not going to do it with a filter. Yeah. But you see, you know, according to this other Brian. Beer is the foundation of civilization. Beer goggles. We civilization only exists because of beer goggles. And that is the original filter. No. 
We haven't changed a bit. We haven't evolved for anything. Are you kidding me? We just changed the Instagram. We just changed beer to Instagram filters. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I have some serious doubts about that. But beer goggles are a real thing. I mean, that explains a few of my previous relationships. That's for sure. Ooh, wow. <laughs> wow. There's some truth. <laughs> I I just this 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 bothers me and and folks now more than ever like and I know you want to social distance and you want to do this and I get it but for fuck's sake go talk to real people you know even if it's six feet away that's better than than the the six thousand miles or whatever the hell that you know you're experiencing online it it is it is not worth it in the end. And I am going to, I'm going to lay out a prediction 30, 40 years from now, maybe even sooner. There is going to be not nomophobia. There's going to be some kind of psychological condition prescribed. That is the realization that you spent the bulk of your life in front of a fucking keyboard and that you spent the bulk of your life interacting online and you can't remember any of it. It's all ephemeral. It's all dust in the wind. And you have no real memories of anything. And what do you have to show for it? I Nothing. mean, your online life, I guess, is a monument to your existence. But can you really feel satisfied but about what, that? What kind of existence is that? I mean, what you're, you're like an epic tweeter. You know, what's that compared to Chuck Yeager, you know, or, or Linus Pauling? Or I mean, are you kidding me? What kind of, what are you talking about? Like, I am a digital influencer. So, <laughs> and you did what, you know? Yeah. And, you know, to be fair, there are some digital influencers that I've come across that I feel like are genuinely doing good work and that they are encouraging people to believe in themselves and to expect more for themselves or they're teaching them real skills. And that's great. But I'm assuming that you're talking about the influencers that are just selling a lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. And that bothers me too, because like, oh, you know, it's people taking pictures of them like selfies. And I mean, and it's, it's okay if you want to, you know, take pictures of yourself when you go somewhere or whatever, you know, that, that, that makes, and and to have it for your memories or whatever. I mean, fuck on both of our smartphones. I mean, we have pictures of each other, different pictures of each other (laughs) holding each other while we were in Geneva, you Mm -hmm. know, it's, it's a nice memory, but it's one that we have and that we can tell stories to each other when we lived together. Right. And this is, this is kind of the other problem is that, no, you have a bunch of people who are taking selfies where, I don't know, they're in San Paulo or, or someplace. And it's like, oh, you know, beautiful day in San Paulo or whatever. It's like, no, don't show me that. I mean, a picture's worth a thousand words. Sure. But I want the thousand words. I want the story from you. The picture, the selfie of you somewhere, like somehow you're something because you're in some place that begins with an S and P, I don't know, uh, doesn't do anything for me. I don't feel connected to you and and I'm not impressed and it doesn't mean anything. You know, tell me a story of, of what's going on for you. And and I just, I, I don't know, it just all feels disgustingly shallow. This isn't, I'm not laying out anything necessarily new with some of this. Some of this is stuff that lots of people have realized, but no one's stopping. They just keep doing it. Yeah, apparently it's not an expensive proposition. Well, that's that's part of the reason they keep doing it, you know. Uh, but, well, we're not going to solve this. Other no. than, please, folks, just fucking be real. And 
go ahead. It's okay. Be real. Take it from an ugly motherfucker like me. Okay. Be real <laughs> online. It's all right. And, <laughs> and, and, and go and live and talk to real people, you know, in fact, I still think you're the sexiest man alive. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it has something to do with your confidence. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, I, I'd love to see people, and and I know people have like there have been comedy skits done around this. I'd love to see people, you know, go through their social media feed and just like talk to somebody, like look at them in the eye, you know, in air. Well, you can't really look them at the eye when you're reading the screen, but like read your tweet when you're talking to a person, and just pay attention to how stupid you feel, you know, when when you read off that that really, you know, that that. Uh, that dank tweet or that dope tweet or that, Ooh, that spicy take or whatever the fuck it is, you know, say that to someone's face and you're just going to feel like a fucking moron. And, and boy, I wish more people would do that. What do you got? Oh, I, I don't know. You're taking this in a direction. I didn't expect. Yeah, I didn't either. I didn't either. And I think that means I got to wrap it up. So <laughs> do you have any final thoughts? I'm just, all I'm speaking about is, is, there's no reality online. There's none. No, the only reality is, is face-to-face, person-to-person, you know, being part of the real world, being part of building it. Yeah. I mean, and exactly. And, and there's no truth online either. In fact, to prove my point, prove my point. When you want to find something out, what does the average person do today? They Google. It. Yeah, exactly. Right. I didn't even It's a to... verb. Yes. Googling is a verb yes. when it, it should be a... a... It's it's a name of right. a, a site. Yes. You go to Google it to find the truth. Well, here's the official statement. We covered this years ago on Sovereign Tech. Here's the official statement from a Google VP, okay, or a Google exec. Google is not a truth engine. Bam. Bam. Mic drop. You know, like, really, drop the fucking mic and then drop the fucking smartphone. Drop it all. <laughs> <because> <laughs> There's no truth. Not there. You know, I mean, like maybe in one of the one of the, the, the uh, uh, you know, results, like search results that came up. But it, good luck finding it because it's probably not on page one. Did we get that encyclopedia set yet? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Where's that world book? Oh, fuck. <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, maybe we can kind of flip this. Let's take a break and we can flip this on, uh, you know, on its head here. We, we, we can turn this right around to, okay, but how do you be real? maybe let's get into that positive spin on positive spin i like the sound of that all right we'll be right back with more sovereign tech hello sovereignati as you know sovereign tech proudly no longer puts content behind a paywall and makes thousands of hours and episodes available to you totally for free But if you feel that stirring in your cockles or that special feeling in your heart, I beseech you, nay, I implore you to help the show out by donating. Frequenting our sponsors is key, but donations from listeners like you has always made the show go round and round. You can go to SovereignTech.com to set up an automatic monthly donation, or you can donate via the Bitcoin address in the show notes. And now you can even donate with the Cash app at cash.app and use the money tag Sovereign Tech. So many ways to help out the show, and I'm honored by all of it, allowing us to build and be the future. Now, let's get back to the show. 
issues of privacy, security, and social engineering. It's HackSec. So, I'm putting this under HackSec, even though it's not, doesn't really have to do with hacking and security in any way. Um, but it, it was something on Telegram that <laughs> just a couple of days ago, and uh, in an upcoming episode, we're going to have to have a very large conversation around Telegram because of what's happening between Apple and Telegram. That is uh, a real problem um, beyond what we've talked about in the past on Sovereign Tech around the issues of the Apple tax and other things. Pavel Durov who is the, the CEO of Telegram, uh, who is a at least a multimillionaire, at least. Uh, he started VK, which is like the Facebook of Russia, uh, or Facebook of the East, and he left it after the government tried to take it over. I mean, Pavel Durov is a noted, he's an anarchist. He's a noted anarchist, just like Moxie Marlinspike, who's the head of, uh, of Signal. Now, one of the things I got to admit I really like about Pavel Durov, and I've been complimentary towards him over the many years on Sovereign Tech, is I feel I feel like he really like I don't think you can find a more engaged CEO um, in any of these other than maybe Moxie Marlin Spike would be in that realm, but you know he's in charge of a app that is has hundreds of millions of users very popular around the world, growing in popularity every day, largely because of a lot of the, the horseshit that's going on in the world. Not a surprise. Um, but he always like shares kind of what, you know, his, his secrets or what, not his secrets, but he shares like what he's doing, what he's experimenting with over the years. And he's, uh, you know, he's around my age. He's 36 now. I think he just celebrated a birthday, which happy birthday to him. Um, I'm 39. So, you know, we're, we're around there and, uh, he'll share like, oh, how he was just eating fish one month. And that's all that he was eating. He'll just share all of these interesting little insights way more than you ever get from like a Zuckerberg or Bezos or anybody like that. You, you never hear from them what they do, you know, what's their regiment, uh, you know, or what's their diet plan and all this other stuff. And really you, you never, ever hear this stuff. Uh, from these guys and you never hear what, how much TRT they're using or anything. Oh, oh, oh boy. Uh, excuse me. So, <laughs> but, but, uh, Pavel Durov, I feel like he's more open than, than a lot of these other people. And he did a post the other day and I read it to you. We were reading it together over, uh, over breakfast because I got to admit, I was pretty impressed by it. Um, and it's a bit of a birthday message. You know, he's kind of sharing his wisdom and, I think you'll see why it's relevant to what we've been talking about previously in this episode. Um, and we'll, we'll share our insights on it. So you want to get into it, Ellen? Yeah, sure. All right. So I'm reading, this is from October 10th and he has what's called Duroff's channel where he, you know, makes various announcements. If you have telegram, I think it's, you should absolutely be subscribed to Duroff's channel on, on telegram and, and see his messages because some of them, I mean, are really, uh, uh, scathing stuff against a lot of the tech giants. I mean, you know, he certainly uh, made statements that fall right in line with a lot of things we've talked about on Sovereign Tech. But anyway, this I thought was really interesting. So from October 10th, from Duroff's channel here, um, here we go. As I'm turning 36, some people ask how I managed to look younger than my age. I've asked the same question of many people who age well, from Jared Leto to... Uh, 
I hate Jared Leto. What do you think of Jared Leto? Well, I know you hate him, and that's enough for me. All right, good. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, from Jared Leto to a random fitness trainer who looks like 25 at 50. Here's what all of these young-looking individuals do and don't. Uh, Number one. So we're going to go down this list, okay, of of what, you know, what they, he claims, and he apparently does all this as well, but what he claims are uh, the keys to a healthy lifestyle, how to stay looking young. Um, We'll go with number one, avoid alcohol. Wow. I mean, you're basically, you you are taking the bedrock of civilization and just tossing it out the (laughs) window. So I can't get over that. You're I just really think that's so it's, that that's just such a, well, anyway, whatever. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll read what he says. Cause he actually gives a little paragraph on it. Uh, there may be some rare exceptions, but in general, alcohol as well as other uh, addictive substances makes people less healthy and visually older. Ellen, you as, are, are you willing to share your age? Uh, yeah, sure. I think I already have. Uh, you ask me that almost every time I'm on. Well, you know, you're only as good as your last episode. Now I mean you, I mean me. So go for it. Well, I'm 26 years old. Yeah. Okay. So you are talking as somebody in your twenties. All right. And, uh, avoid alcohol. How do you feel about this bit of recommendation? Well, he also said other addictive substances. Yeah. And let me just say, I started smoking cigarettes when I was 15 years old. Right. I didn't quit till after I turned 20. (laughs) So this is already five years. That I was not following this advice, and yes. I wish I had. <laughs> really? Okay, so yeah. so it sounds like you're agreeing here. Yeah, well, uh, also, I drank alcohol from, like, the age of 18 until, like, 23 years old. Okay. So, you know, there's another five years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, it. I, I definitely think that this is advice that I should have listened to when I was younger. I mm-hmm. had reasons for not. I had reasons for getting into these addictive substances. Sure. Not that they were good reasons mm-hmm. or valid or healthy. Right. But, well, maybe they were valid, but they, they were not healthy. Yeah. Um, and at the time, I just didn't care because I was young. I, I, I was the fountain of youth, you know? Sure, sure. 18 years old, drinking, smoking, <laughs> living life to the best. Uh, among uh, uh, many other things. And yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> you have experience. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I I was always left feeling terrible after using these substances. And, you know, there came a day when I, I realized, like, I'm just not going to be able to feel my best. I'm not going to be able to give my all to exercise. I'm not going to be able to have as much lung capacity as I want. I'm not going to have a healthy gut biome. If I keep behaving this way, Mm -hmm. I'm always going to have headaches and nausea and wake up feeling like I just didn't get any sleep. Right. Uh, So, you know, it it really was a health based decision for me to get away from these things and to, you know, I, I wanted to feel healthy every day. I wanted to wake up feeling refreshed. Yeah. And that's really what inspired me ultimately to stop doing this stuff. Um. So obviously I, I agree completely and I think he's right. Avoid alcohol. Uh, it, even for the simple reasons of like it, it dehydrates you mm-hmm. and um, it, it also can like affect other functions in your body that you might not even think that it could. I mean, you've stated that you don't drink because you don't want to have 
problems getting erections or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Don't want whiskey dick here, folks. Yeah. Yeah. But there's also like, you know, a clarity of mind that you can't have if you've been drinking the night before. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or even if you are drunk currently, you know, <laughs> like alcohol can be fun. It can be a, a great lubricant, social lubricant. Sure. At parties. Um, but it also increases your risk of cancer. And nobody yeah. wants to think about that because that's like 30 years down the road. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> but once you realize that that's the reality, that you're actually like making yourself vulnerable, not just now, but also in the future, like that is just is a shocking realization that really, I think, can inspire you to make that dramatic change. Yeah. Most people don't think about the long game. And that's ultimately all these points There's seven points here that Pavel's going to bring up. Um, I, that's ultimately what he's talking about the long game, you know, and longevity and living for, you know, as long as you possibly can. And, um, I mean, I, I have to admit, I mean, I'm so ridiculously proud and impressed. I mean, people can choose to live however they want to live. I'm not going to stop them. You know, you, you do what you want and I'm not going to say what's better and what's, you know, not, or I'm not necessarily going to go down that road. Okay. There's some people who don't care if they look younger when they're 50. Right. They just don't care. Um, <laughs> well, you kind of have to accept what happens as you age. You know, sure. everything well, starts to sink. I mean, you know, pin- what people would consider the pinnacle, the pinnacle of health. Of course, people that are in the industry know that it doesn't necessarily mean the pinnacle of health. But example, greatest bodybuilder of all time, Ronnie Coleman. OK, um, big fan. I'm a big fan of Ronnie Coleman. Wear his shoes. I mean, I like literally I wear, <laughs> I wear Ronnie Coleman shoes. Uh, he knew. Now, so he was Mr. Olympia, you know, seven times. I mean, just, but he knew what he was doing to his body to, to keep at that level was destroying his body and that he was going to pay a price. And now, I mean, for years, the guy's barely been able to walk. Um, wow. Yeah. You know? And so like he, he's had multiple back surgeries. He's paid the price. He knew what he was getting into. Did he do what he wanted to and achieve what he wanted to in life? How am I supposed to tell him, boy, man, if you just did this, that would have been better. He achieved what he wanted to achieve in life, you know? And, and so it, it's tough to say what's better and what's not right. It, like it, it, better can be a very subjective thing for a lot of people. And I want to, you know, I want to bring that up as we talk about this. But if your goal is to live a long time and be healthy, you might want to pay attention to these things. And I just want to bring up that how wildly impressed and proud I am. Cause I've known you for years. Yeah. You yeah. knew me even before I quit all those things. Yes. <laughs> and I remember when you stopped them and I was just, and you were cold Turkey. And I was just like, what? wow, you, you just pulled that off. Like you just did that. And it was, it was remarkable to me. I mean, just, just mind blowing that because I don't want to say you identified with a lot of that stuff necessarily, but well, in a sense, actually, that that wouldn't be totally unfair to say, because a lot of people that I spent my time around also drank alcohol, also smoked cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took an incredible force of willpower for me to say no, even when those people were doing it. And eventually I had to just leave those people behind mm-hmm. uh, in order to escape that lifestyle. But yeah, it, it really was a challenge. It was something that I did identify with at one point, but I decided I didn't want to anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's amazing. Um, and 
well, anyway, we, we can move on from that. But uh, yeah, avoid alcohol. Absolutely. And I'm not saying I necessarily look young. The only thing I can say for myself as far as this goes, because other than when I was in the military, I never drank. So I only have about, you know, I'll say around two years or so where I ever like touched alcohol. Otherwise, the entire rest of my life, and I'm 39, never touched it. Yeah, and you look young. Well, I don't necessarily think I look young, but here's the rub, is that I don't really look any different than I, like, I look the same now. So I I feel like I, like, I mean, when I went to, the first time I ever went to a strip club, I was, uh, I was 16 years old. You, You can't go into a strip club at 16. Uh, the first time I ever bought alcohol for my friends, I didn't drink it that I ever bought it for them. I was 15. I've always looked older. Okay. And I've been like balding for a very long time, but here's the rub is that I look the same. If you look at pictures of me when I'm like 20, I look the same. I do then as I do now. So while I've always looked older, I also haven't aged <laughs> you know, like, like in that time frame. Um, so, uh, you know, if, if that's any kind of evidence to what he's saying there, there it is, you know? Um, I certainly yeah. haven't ended up looking any any worse. Uh, so so there we go. Well, I, I think it's also really important to point out, like, you know, people who are drinking alcohol now, they can do it because they're young or maybe they're not even that young. But, mm-hmm. you know, it, it always does catch up to you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something to consider is that it, it will come back to haunt you. Yeah. Now, I'll tell you. So the the thing that did, I think, make me look older, always look older. And I mean, I've gotten comments my whole life about how I've always looked older. Um, again, I'm glad I haven't aged <laughs> otherwise, but uh, it speaks to number two. Number two is sleep a lot. My lack of sleep is what I think, you know, made me look prematurely older. So this is, I, I think is absolutely the truth. Eventually I learned to fucking sleep, uh, you know, but anyway, let me read it here. Sleep is when your body repairs itself. You can't borrow it back or you can't borrow it. Lack of sleep during the week can't be compensated with oversleeping on the weekend. Um, absolutely true. I no, no argument from me on the sleep thing. What, what do you say, Ellen? Yeah, I, I'm a strong proponent of getting, you know, seven to nine hours of sleep every night. Uh, I believe that that is so incredibly important for peak health. Yeah. Um, there's just an overwhelming amount of evidence to prove that. And you can even feel it you know, in your own life, if you don't get enough sleep, you're just not going to have like memory access to, you know, mental clarity, right. ability to perform as best you could. Yeah. Um, and I've had a lot of sleeping problems in my life too. And it, it, it's really horrible. Like you, you're, it's almost like your IQ degrades <laughs> the less you sleep. Yeah. Oh, no, we, I mean, we know this now, you know, that lack of sleep, your brain starts eating itself, basically. Uh, it's terrifying, in my opinion. Um, yeah, it's so incredibly important. I mean, it's like where you spend a third of your life is in bed. Yeah. Um, and for good reason, too. You know, your brain is incredibly active while you're sleeping. Right. Just in a different way than when you're awake. And what he's saying is totally true. Like, that's when your body rebuilds itself. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't have anything to add to that. I think you're totally right. Uh, so, and I think he's right on with that one. Um, so we're two for two. Uh, let's go to number three. Uh, do not overeat. Excessive weight makes people look older and correlates with dozens of illnesses. Typically I eat twice a day within a six, six hour window or once a day, no snacking. 
uh, eating three plus times a day is just a, uh, he puts it in parentheses, bad habit. Um, this is one I'll speak to cause I've done intermittent fasting and all that. Look, that, that just doesn't work for everybody. And, and it really doesn't. And this is one of those cases where I get it. Don't overeat. That's, that's a great overall abstract notion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Know your course. limits. Right. With food. But like the idea that, oh, you shouldn't eat three or three plus times a day. No, if you are like, you know, into, well, like the aforementioned bodybuilding, like say Ronnie Coleman or something. And I don't mean like getting to like the levels that Ronnie Coleman did, like those elite levels. But just if you're into a certain degree of fitness and you enjoy a certain degree of size, you know, um, no, you're going to eat like three to six times a day. And it's what your body fucking needs. It's not, you know, and I, I'm not knocking Pavel Durov. I think in general, this might not be bad advice, um, but the, but intermittent fasting, I mean, like that, it works for some, it doesn't work for everybody. Yeah. It wouldn't even work for me, for people mm-hmm. like me who have, uh, you know, periods throughout the day where your blood sugar gets very low. Right. Maybe there's something where like you have high insulin levels or something, but, mm-hmm. um, I need to eat like at least three times a day right? with snacks between. Sure. Uh, and that doesn't mean I'm eating large meals particularly like mm-hmm. sometimes we have a huge dinner but i'm i don't feel like i'm ever overeating right and i feel like if you really understand it so this is something i'm really big on and I, you know i've told you this before like chewing mm-hmm. chewing your food a lot it yes. slows you down while you're eating it allows you to extract more nutrition from what you're eating mm-hmm. But it also allows you to maybe subconsciously kind of keep track of how much you've eaten and how full you are. Right. Uh, and, and part of that is just eating more slowly. Uh, but that is so important to like paying attention to your body and knowing that you've had enough to eat. I think a lot of people, you know, they eat fast. They eat yeah. fast food fast. And they're not eating healthy food. Uh, and... A lot of food, there's science that goes into that that makes you want to eat more of it. Absolutely. Um, And maybe it even turns off your stomach's ability to sense how full you are. So, like, these are just things that you that are really important to pay attention to. Um, Whether or not you're doing intermittent fasting or you're eating three or four meals a day or whatever. Uh, But I agree. Not everyone eats the same. Not everyone can mm-hmm. because we all have different physiology. Right. We all respond to food differently. Um, so some people can get away with only eating once a day. But some people, they would, you know, pass out or be really tired throughout the day if they tried that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, your diet is, and when I say diet, I just mean like what you normally eat, not not like a diet, you know. Um, your diet is very like you say very personalized but i mean really that's it like it's something that is very goals based i think um what are you trying to achieve you know with your body or with your day or whatever and your diet will should reflect that um so and and there's no one size fits all rule for for that so that that that's that's kind of the point here but overall i get where he's coming from and again the abstract notion don't overeat yeah you don't want to walk around feeling full who loves it who likes that feeling well i know i think there are people who do but 
I don't. Yeah, and I feel like he's also maybe touching on obesity. Mm -hmm. He's saying, like, excess weight doesn't look good, and it makes... And, like, it's true. There are plenty of health risks associated Mm -hmm. with obesity, but that's a totally different conversation. Uh, Yeah. It's much bigger than I think we want to have around it right now. Yeah, absolutely. So, but anyway, a good abstract point for him to bring up. Uh, number four, exercise. Uh, moderate but regular exercise makes people look healthier and live longer. Personally, I don't do much cardio. I'd rather walk slash cycle slash uh, swim in the open air and prefer moderate weights. Um, that, that's, I mean, I think exercise is important, absolutely, in our sedentary, sedentary lifestyles that we have, so much of us, so many of us have today, uh, for varying reasons, more so than ever, perhaps. Um, yeah, exercise is a great thing, and I'm the same way. I'm not super big on cardio, but uh, I'm also not into moderate weights. I'm into very, very heavy weights. Uh, but, you know, that's good advice. What do you say to number four? Yeah, no, I, I agree. Exercise is awesome. And mm-hmm. everyone has their own personalized form of exercise again. Uh, but I think it, you know, it even not just that it gives you like the the muscle mass or maybe like the heart efficiency mm-hmm. uh, that can help keep you young and energetic. But even just having that that energy of someone who does work out, who is fit, uh, who's like capable and doesn't feel weighed down and tired because they don't work out. Yeah. Um, yeah. It just gives you like an extra, uh, like energetic presence. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, and we can get into a bigger subject around, you know, exercise, uh, again, exercise is something else. that's not one size fits all. Everybody has different goals. Uh, like I was really impressed. Another thing I was impressed with you, Ellen, actually just recently, the past couple of weeks, you said, yeah, I'm not going to go up in weights anymore because I, I like, <laughs> you know, cause I mean, we lift weights oh, together. Yeah. It was just one specific exercise. Yeah. I was saying that. Right. But your point was, is like, no, I like the size of, you know, you like where your arms were at. And yeah, so, and I'd rather perfect form instead of just forcing my muscles to move more mass. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's another thing that a lot of people just don't get, you know, it's like the, the overeating. Well, don't overtrain either. Like, and I, overtraining is a specific thing, but my point is, is that have an idea of where you want to go, what you want to look like, you know, and, and what your, your fitness goals are. And, you know, your diet's going to speak to that and also your exercise regimen will as well. Uh, so, but you got to know what those, wh- what your goals are. You have to know them. Uh, so I was really impressed when you said that. I was like, Thank you. I was like, yeah, there you go. Like you, you've got, you've got where you wanted to be and now you're just going to, you know, hone down. Right. Or however well, you want to talk about there's it. There's still a further goal in that, even though I'm not moving up in weights, I, mm-hmm. I still want to uh, like refine the movement, but but yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah. So now number five, this is one that I don't think needs much explanation uh, and doesn't need much extrapolation. Limit stress. Uh, there are mental habits that help. Uh, it helps to believe that everything that happens is for the better. Stoic techniques such as negative visualization and generally not giving a shit also work. Living close to nature makes all of the above easier. I bristle at the word stoic, but I get what he what he means. And we all know how bad stress is for us. I mean, I I don't, again, I don't think that's something that needs a lot of uh, extrapolation. The idea of living closer to nature makes, uh, makes everything easier and allows for a less stressful life. Absolutely. I agree with that. Ellen, you got anything you want to add? Yeah, I I definitely agree with him. Obviously stress is bad. Mm -hmm. Um, I think when he says 
stoic techniques such as negative visualization that's actually more referencing like original stoic work right. not the modern reincarnation of what people think stoic means uh, yeah but it, it really does help to manage expectations um and to help you be grateful for what you have mm-hmm. so uh i i think that's beneficial i think it's a great um I think it's a great thing for him to recommend. You know, all of that is true. And yeah, stress is really dangerous. I actually just started taking a, a new supplement, holy basil. Holy basil. <laughs> because yeah. uh, I want to help, like, you know, manage and adapt to my stress instead yeah. of, uh, like, crashing in and out of it. Yeah, no, this stuff's amazing. I mean, like, you cracked it open this morning and angels started singing, like, as soon as you popped the top on it. And then, then I, like, later when you went off to class, I actually, I, I popped the top on it just to see, and it happened again. And, wow. I, I, yeah, I was a little worried. that There were, well, like, angels trapped in there? Well, I mean, they just they sing every time that it opens. And I, I was, I don't know, I was kind of like... You know, I was starting to feel a little singed on my skin. You know, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't do deal well touching the uh, the elements of heaven. But uh, <laughs> so anyway, uh, well, anyway, I think it's it's also great that he recommends dealing with it psychologically mm-hmm. and mentally, not just you know taking supplements or or doing these lifestyle changes, but like really thinking about what it is that's stressing you out and facing it and coming to terms with it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think those are really like elite level suggestions. Yeah. Uh, so I'd say we're five for five. Yeah. Uh, in agreement overall. Um, number six, let's go to this. Do not eat meat. Oh. Ouch. Uh, eating seafood and wild caught fish is fine, but farmed red meat is something most people who look younger than their age avoid. I suspect the unhealthy nature of framed or a farmed, yeah, framed, uh, farmed meat has to do with the way livestock is raised and killed, growth horm- growth hormones, fodder, etc. Um, Another one where he's totally on point. <laughs> well, there you go. So you agree with this? Yeah. Well, absolutely. I mean, it's great that he points out, you know, modern methods of raising cattle and slaughtering them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean. Anybody who knows about like prion disease knows that the main source for humans is from beef. Right. Uh, which is really terrifying. Uh, but yeah, there's there's all sorts of research linked to how red meat can increase your chances of like cancer, coronary heart disease, yeah. all sorts of stuff. Um, and obviously, I'm a vegetarian. I agree with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, same. Well, yeah adaptive vegetarian like sometimes we do eat fish yes yeah Uh, just like he talked but yeah yeah and you know it's it's a you know it's not something that i really feel like morally great about eating Mm -hmm. but it is a really healthful and beneficial addition to a vegetarian diet because Mm -hmm. uh well it's an easy way to get high nutrition density in food sure yeah um I mean, I, I have, I have fish oil regularly. Uh, that's a supplement I take every day. Um, I did try flaxseed, but the part of the reason I take fish oil is there's some, I'll just say joint support that I take it for. And, um, flaxseed oil did not give me the same results. And so in my end of one fish oil was, cause a lot of people, you know, people get into vegan plant-based and so on 
will will say, well, you know, replace the get your omega threes from flaxseed. Right. And and I tried. And I tried for a long time and I was not seeing the benefits that I saw from fish oil. Well, so, yeah, it, it's got different values of omegas three yeah. and six. So it, it's going to vary from species to species. Precisely. Um, I say this just to suggest that, you know, just like the exercise and how much or how often you eat during the day and a lot of the stuff, your diet is a very personalized thing. Because you are an individual and you operate different than the person next to you. So there's no one size fits all in a lot of this. There are some generalizations that can be helpful. Just like I do think a generalization of plant-based for your diet is helpful. Um, but yeah, it, you know, I, I'm not here. I'm not going to, you know, talk down on everybody about what exactly they're eating. But I will say anecdotally, um, there is a woman who went to uh, the, the church that I attended as a young man. And she was, I found out eventually that she was like 60 years old. This whole family was like, they were all vegans. Um, Not uncommon in Adventism. Seventh-day Adventists are really big on veganism. And uh, for years, I thought she was like 30. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, she, she, she looked, um, I mean, I mean like age wise, youthfulness looked phenomenal. Uh, it was, and that always, always stuck with me. Um, and she, at that time attributed that to a vegan diet. And that was, I mean, fuck, that was 25 years ago, you know, or however long ago. Yeah. So another thing that people don't realize is like when you cook meat at high temperatures, it creates carcinogens. Right. Uh, like the fumes that you breathe in, Mm -hmm. the smells that you think is like delicious meat smells. Yeah. That actually contains cancer causing compounds. Yeah. Well, and and not all of those actually create cancer in the body. They can just wreak havoc on your your DNA, mm-hmm. your cells, mm-hmm. your metabolism. Um, like meat doesn't even get digested in the human tract the same way that it does in other carnivores. It kind of lingers there for a long time. Yeah. Which yeah. isn't a good thing either. So anyway, he's totally right. <laughs> <laughs> so six for six. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's go to number seven. Uh, number seven is live alone. Surpri- well. Let me read it. Yeah, let me read this. Surprisingly, all the young looking middle aged men I spoke with lived alone for most of their lives. It may be the result of their independence from the sleeping slash eating slash behavioral patterns of another person, or it's just correlation and people who are independent from unhealthy societal norms are also independent in their personal lives. Um, he go- well, yeah, we, we can stop at that one. Um, so he's not really attributing a specific reason. He's just making guesses as to why that is. Yep. He's doing some correlation, but aware that it, you know, correlation isn't necessarily causation. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I get what he's saying. And I personally, I think this is true for most people. Because most people don't find someone else in their life that is so in sync with how they live. You know, yeah. uh, I mean, if one wanted to use a fancy term, you could say, you know, soulmates or something. Right. Uh, like you, you just you don't you don't find those kinds of people. Generally, the average person just doesn't. So. I think to his point, that's probably largely true, you know, on a generality, that's true. But if you do happen to find that person who is just so in sync 
with your lifestyle. You're just, you're both, you know, walking the path side by side. Um, the benefits from that, I think far outweigh any potential benefits of living alone. So yeah, go, go ahead. And you don't even have to find a person who perfectly matches your goals. Sure. If you find a person that you just love, maybe you can make your goals match. Yeah. You know, it is something that you can change and adapt to. I mean, like when you first started living with me, like you weren't a vegetarian, but you did become one. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, but I mean, I already, you know, I've been a vegetarian or even a vegan in the past. Uh, and you know, it's something that I knew that I could handle very well. I know there are people who can't, um, but, uh, you know, so there's no problem. When we started working out together, Mm -hmm. you lifted weights and I did cardio. Yes. We didn't lift weights together until later. You, you morphed into lifting weights. Right. You changed into where we're now. All right. I'm going to start picking up the big stuff. You're my coach now. Yeah, exactly. So, (laughs) so yeah, exactly. We, and I don't want to say it's compromise. We just saw what worked for each other and that turned into a unified, yeah. uh, uh, you know, path going forward. And so, yeah, that can happen. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think what, what happened was we both had really well-defined goals for mm-hmm. what we wanted out of our diet or out of our exercise or out of our sleeping habits, mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, and, because we were able to understand each other's reasoning about that, we're yeah. able to like, you know, see the truth in it and adapt to it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so it's gotten to the point now where we literally do everything together. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We go to bed at the same time. We yep. get up mostly at the same time. You always get up early. Yeah. But, <laughs> but we eat the same foods yep. for the most part. I mean, <laughs> you know, there's times where I'm away and you, you break out the freezer food, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, those burritos, <laughs> uh, but yeah, we, we just, we've learned to, uh, live the same lifestyle mm-hmm. and we've taken the best from each other's goals and really made the mutual goals. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I get what he, where he's coming from with live alone. And like I said, in general, I think that's probably true. Um, but man, when you find that, you know, that one in a billion or or whatever, uh, you know, like that, that's magic. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the only way I can describe it. Um, so it's really wonderful. It's like being closer than friends, closer than lovers. Yes. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, so let me finish reading some of this. Sure. And so here we go. Uh, interestingly, you can find scientific explanations for most of these points. Even the last one is defensible, e.g. there are multiple studies showing that sleeping alone improves the quality of sleep. I kind of can could concede that point that like a person can sleep better if they can sleep alone. Granted, you can also buy a bed big enough to where it's like two normal single beds you know but i don't know yeah (laughs) i mean i yeah i agree actually um you know sometimes i still have trouble sleeping and Mm -hmm. like i'll have to ask you to sleep on the floor or whatever which i gladly do yeah well you you tell me all the time like if you're having trouble sleeping just tell me to go away yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) and that's really sweet because like i wouldn't be able to get a full night's sleep if it Mm -hmm. if we had to share a bed sometimes because Mm -hmm. if i'm having trouble sleeping and you're like, you know, twitching throughout the night or just moving or, yeah. s- you know, snoring, whatever, like normal human stuff. Yep. <laughs> uh, it, it 
causes real challenge for me. Yeah. Um, you know, and for people, for some people who are heavy sleepers who sleep easily, not a problem sleeping with other people. But, you know, there are light sleepers in the world. And even sharing a bed, a big bed, doesn't really make that much of a difference because those vibrations still travel. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I can see his point on that. Um, but anyway, let, I'll keep reading. Um, I've been following these rules for over 10 years with quote unquote more sleep being the most difficult due to the nature of my work. Uh, I'll agree with him on that. Getting more sleep is, is a challenge for me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, reading on, if you are twice as young as I am, so this is Pavel Durov saying this, he's 36. If you are twice as young as I am and looking for the key takeaway, here it is. So this is what he considers to be out of all of those, the most important thing that you can do to stay looking youthful, to be, you know, be healthy, whatever. All right, let's hear it. Never drink alcohol. Whoa. Whoa. I mean, and he put that in all caps, bold. Uh, he, <laughs> he said, once you give up on alcohol, you'll stop silencing your intuition, yes. which will tell you what is good and what is bad for you. You will figure out everything you need to know by yourself and won't depend on other people for advice. That is some hard and fast wisdom. Wow. Uh, Again, I'm not going to judge anybody. Okay. And we wouldn't have civilization without beer. And no, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm not judging anybody, but uh, that's powerful. I mean, what a statement for him to make. Um, Do I disagree? No, I, 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 I don't disagree. Uh, I've said many times on this show, especially recently, even like with a lot of the health concerns going on, you know, like why people want to wear an Apple watch to check their heart rate and do all this other stuff. And like, I mean, people are just getting all of these metrics to try and tell them, I guess, whether or not they're doing enough in a day or whether they're healthy or stuff like this. And I, my response on Sovereign is almost always the same, not even talking about the privacy concerns and the stress that that creates, right? And like Darrow says, stress is a problem. Not even getting into that. My my response is always the same. You can't listen to your own fucking body and know whether or not you're feeling good or you're feeling healthy or if there's a problem. There is no way that some fitness uh, a tracker could possibly tell you more than your own senses could. Not really, if you can actually listen to your body. And when I read this from him, it clicked for me. I suddenly said, I was like, is that what's going on? Like these people really can't tell what their body's doing because, you know, the, the, it, it's numbed up. I, I mean, it's just a thought. I don't know. You know, and I'm, again, I'm not here to judge. I'm really, I'm not here to judge anyone. But like, it made me think about it. Like, wait, why can't people listen to their bodies to know what's going on for them? And, you know, why do they feel like they need all the, all this, uh, you know, quantifying, uh, from varying apps and all this other horse shit or their smartphone telling them how many steps that they had in a day and all this stuff. It's like, don't you know whether or not, or why do you need to wear the halo wristband, which tells you whether or not you had a positive customer experience based upon the tone in your voice. You don't remember what your voice sounded like a few seconds ago. You know, like what is going on? Well, you know what? Maybe these people fucking don't because they can't remember shit because they're, you know, just trashed. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> so, give it to me. Yeah, well, I don't want to say that people are trashed. I mean, people there. Everybody has a very there's a huge gradient how much people drink. Mm-hmm. You know, there's people who have a few glasses of wine on yes. the weekend with their yes. lover or there's people who like have a, a beer or two every day when they get home from work or right. there's the actual alcoholics. 
Um, so, you know, I, I don't want to say that, like, everyone is trashed and that alcohol is cause, causing all of these problems. But I will say that I think it's very insightful of him to point out that alcohol does inhibit your natural gut feeling, your natural mm-hmm. sense of intuition. And I think a lot of people, the reasons that people give for why they drink, like, oh, I just want to loosen up or I want to feel more comfortable or I want to have more fun, like... They're really just veiled responses that that are conveying something more like, um, you know, there's something about themselves that is being held back, that's being suppressed, mm-hmm. that they they want to express, or you know, there there's just something about the way that they behave that they want to change, and that's what they're using the alcohol for, or something about the way they feel that they want to change, um, and. People have the power to change the way they feel and the way they behave, certainly without alcohol. Alcohol is just an easy way to do it. Yes. But it's also something that he's right. It, it does overall numb your sense of, of right and wrong, of good decision making, of being able to hear and understand your intuition and your gut feelings. Um, and it really does mess with your gut too, <laughs> like your the bacteria. In oh there. yeah, sure, right. Um, which we know that that actually changes your psychology. You Absolutely, know, your brain is connected to your intestines through Absolutely. the vagus nerve. Yes. Uh, so I I think he's right, and it's a it's a subtle point, um, but it's one that I think is incredibly important. I have nothing to add on that. Uh, <laughs> I don't disagree. Um, well, I, there, there, there's statements I want to make, but you know what? My gut's telling me don't make them. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I, anyway, I thought this was, I thought this was absolutely brilliant. You, no one has to agree with it. You don't have to agree with it. You have to recognize that he is talking about a very specific goal that of, you know, looking youthful and healthy into, you know, uh, uh, I mean, 36 isn't exactly advanced years, but you, you get my point. Um, and these are tips for how to do so. Uh, would you say seven for seven? Uh, I mean, live alone is kind of a shaky one. Yeah. I I think there are ways that you could twist it to where all seven of those are are correct or make sense. Mm -hmm. Or, um, at least I would say some of them I partially agree with. Uh, most of them completely. Okay. Yeah. So this is this is a great list. Right. Uh, on. Not that it's an imperative to live alone, but maybe his underlying point of, you know, like having goals for yourself and following those goals, even if nobody else is there to follow them with you. There you go. So I, I couldn't say it any better. Um, so we'll leave uh, that story at that. And, you know, it's there for food for thought. But remember, don't overeat. Uh, (laughs) Can you overeat on thought? (laughs) Mm, uh, (laughs) Boy, that could go places. You know, you know, it's funny. Rob actually said this to me the other day. I don't think he'll mind that I said this. but he told me, he's like, he said, Brian, you know, when you say like, we're not going to go down that road or like, we don't have time to go into that. It's like, we're all dying for you to tell us what yes, the hell you're saying. It's true. I've or been what you're thinking. You this forever. <laughs> I agree, Rob. <laughs> uh, 
maybe someday. <laughs> and I know that's just another way of saying, uh, you know, we don't need to go there. But until people ask you enough. So keep asking. Yeah. That, Send that's, him emails. That's what you got to do. You know what? That's the thing. Really, like email me. I'll, I'll get to it. I'll do whole episodes. I just released earlier today. I just released a whole episode that was based around a one line sentence that somebody said. And I went an hour and 20, you know, like around that. So if you actually ask me, I'm happy to answer and I'll do it. Um, and, and if you tell me like in the, in the, in, when you ask me, you can't say we don't go down that road, then, all right, you know, I'm, 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 I aim to please. So <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Uh, we'll be right back with just a little more sovereign tech, just a few minutes. And, uh, and then we'll wrap this one up. Hey baby. I know, I know you are tired of Gmail. You have had enough. Well, I have a solution for you. What I want you to do is you go to Fastmail, okay? It's fastmail.sovereigntech.com. That's the URL you can use. You're going to get a discount with that. You are going to love this. This is email for email's sake. This company does nothing more. Just email and they do it right. All the latest security technologies you want to log into your account with your YubiKey, you can do that. Fastmail has your hookup. Very inexpensive plans. I want you to check it out. You go to fastmail.sovereigntech.com. That'll get you the hookup. And it's an honor to have them as a part of Sovereign Tech. Woo! Let's get back to the show. The Golden Stallion doing whatever he wants to do. The Climax. So it is time for the climax, and we're only going to spend, this episode's already gone over two hours. We're only going to spend a couple minutes on this, but I want to get it out there, and maybe we'll deep dive uh, in, in a future episode when you're on again, Ellen. I uh, presented to you the glories of the Tron duology, which might become a trilogy, in fact, with the aforementioned hated Jared Leto. We'll talk about that with Rob on TIE Fighter Renegades at some point as we get more news about it, but we watched Tron and Tron legacy, uh, Tron, of course, the original film from, uh, let's see, that'd be 1984 Tron legacy, which came out in 2010. Um, I guess I want to ask first what, and, and again, we're only going to say, I've talked about these movies before on the show. Um, I love these movies to death. It's also a great chance to see Bruce Boxleitner again. You know, after getting to experience him as Sheridan, which we're almost done with Babylon Five, uh, is it is it the greatest show on television? <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now <laughs> it's hard to say that. It's hard for me to to like actually uh, like back away from my position of, of like Star Trek being the greatest and, and yeah. to say, okay, you, you were right. Babylon yeah. five is the greatest show in yeah. television history. Oh yeah. Even while we're in the middle of crusade, <laughs> you still know Babylon five is fucking awesome. Uh, crusade is a different story. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to talk about that at some point. But, um, uh, in fact, I had an epiphany while we were watching crusade today, but that's something for another time. <laughs> anyway, Tron. Okay. So, <laughs> These are two movies that I have gotten a lot of heat, a lot, a lot of shit over. Like, no, these movies suck. What are you talking about? Maybe some people like the original Tron, but Tron Legacy, they're like, oh, no, that's that's terrible. Um, so I am going, we're just going to take a minute here because admittedly I'm going for some more vindication. Tron, the first one. Give, give, me, a, give me a ranking. 
Give me, give me an out of 10, 10 being like, you know, 10 being Cleopatra, uh, uh, you know, one being, I don't know, any given Sunday. So what, what do you give? Uh, what do you give Tron? <laughs> well, I would actually say that one is like the room. But <laughs> wow. You're going to get shit for that. Anyway, go, go ahead. <laughs> um, I would say Tron's like, uh, you know, eight, 8.5, 8.5 for the original Tron. Yeah, it's it's really visually beautiful. I think the characters all work together really well in it. Uh, very unique, you know, just just fun to watch. Still an incredibly unique film. Yeah. Even after, even with Legacy, it still looks, Legacy matches, I think, the look like it fits, but it's still not the same. Uh, would you agree with that statement? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and like, there are things about Tron that I liked even better than Tron Legacy. Okay, so then give me a ranking for Tron Legacy out of 10. I think that one I gave a seven. You gave it a seven? Yes. Yeah. And I think I mentioned this to you. We were talking about it over breakfast as we do all great things. Yes. Um, In the original Tron movie, there are three main characters and one of them is a female. Two of them are men, but they're all, you know, like working together towards the same goal. Yeah. Uh, The female is actually like a scientist. She helped develop this laser that like turns things into digital bits Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh but in tron legacy there's like a noticeable lack of female characters and the only time they appear is when uh they're they're suiting up um yeah when they're they're suiting up flynn's son yeah exactly sam flynn um one of those women turns out is like really deceptive and Mm -hmm. leads him into a trap and another woman is there as like flashy showcase material needs to be saved. Olivia Wilde's character, Cora. Yeah. And I was just really annoyed with that. Mm. I, I felt like there's just like blatant sexism. Okay. So yeah. So you thought Yuri from the first movie was a better female character. Oh, definitely. Than, than, than Cora. Yeah. And she at least like played a role in the film. She wasn't just like there to look at. She wasn't there to be saved. Yeah, I I'll, I'll say this. I think it's a shame we didn't get a Tron three, uh, shortly after Tron Legacy because I think there could have been a very interesting and maybe somewhat more of a redeeming, like in your eyes, uh, uh, character arc for Cora. Sure, if they had like you know, I, I know that she's one of these special like uh, bio. Uh, bio digital jazz man yeah bio yeah. digital life forms <laughs> yeah but like it didn't really play a role at all in mm-hmm. this movie like mm-hmm. it was was not important you didn't you really that. get the payoff of what yeah. all that meant and that yeah. is one of the fuzzy areas in tron legacy that i admit to where i'm like yeah they don't really explain what he means you know by what kevin flynn means by all this um so okay so original tron better than tron legacy yeah yeah, I don't know that too many people would disagree with that. Um, it's tough for me, and I admit, and I mean this. Granted, I do have like the fact that I've grown up with these movies, and they are so. Or I grew up with the first Tron, and then to finally get a sequel and a, a and a faithful one at that, twenty five years later is is unheard of. Uh, I mean that that's just an amazing thing. Um, so it's tough for me to not just give them both a ten out of ten. <laughs> Right. And I mean that. <laughs> well, I mean, Tron Legacy really, it, it took the visually stunning up a notch. That's for sure. Yeah. It was, it was so beautiful. And it was the first film. I mean, Tron is largely credited. It's not the first film to use CGI. 
Uh, I think young Sherlock Holmes is the first movie to technically do it, but most people credit Tron or like last starfighter with like the first real, you know, a, a judicious use of CGI in a film. Um, so it was groundbreaking at the time and the de-aging process that was done on uh, Jeff Bridges for Tron legacy was also largely the first time that that was ever really tried. So both movies are technical marvels and groundbreaking in that way or in, in their, in their respective ways. Um, so they deserve high marks in the history of cinema just for those reasons alone. Um, but you, I mean, those are some pretty high scores you're giving these movies. I mean, I think yeah. most people want to give Tron legacy like a four and right. I don't, I don't under, I cannot grasp. I don't want to, again, we, we only want to spend a couple minutes on this mm. because we could re I could really deep dive. Like people do not understand the allegory that in the metaphor that's happening in Tron legacy, it is yeah. explosive. It's huge. All I'm going to say, I mean, all right, I'm going to give you two, two bits. And, and, and <laughs> all I'm going to say is, is you have the Holy Trinity of God, the father, God, the son, and the Sophia in, in, in Tron legacy. Okay. And you should know exactly what I'm referencing when I say that. You know, the users, the creators, the gods. Uh, and you basically, like the whole film is is basically the war of heaven. And and it's just so well done. And that's all I'm going to say. I mean, I can prove that point. You know, I mean. The ending scene alone, I think, really proves that. Yes. I mean, but there's so much in it. I mean, there's so many hints to that. And it's just so fucking well done. Um uh, so to be fair, I'm going to give Tron, the original Tron, I'm going to give that a nine five. Okay. Nice. Uh, and then I'm, I'm going to give legacy a nine. I, I do still like the original Tron more than I like Tron legacy, but Tron legacy is just an amazing film and works on so many levels that most people just, I think, I think they just don't get it. Like they, they don't understand. It's similar to like when we watch Zardoz, I had a revelation. When we went last, blah, blah, blah. it's late, folks. <laughs> when I last, when we last, when we watched Zardoz, I finally got it. It finally clicked. I, like I had to watch it five times, but it finally fucking clicked as to what that movie is really about. And once you know what it's about, it becomes interesting to say the least. Yeah. When you realize <laughs> it's all like a, a, a Nietzschean play. Um, but anyway. So, and, and I think Tron Legacy, if, if the action and everything going on alone doesn't do it for you and the visuals and the tremendous score, I mean, the soundtrack for Tron Legacy, I mean, tell me. It know. was good. It was great. Daft Punk was amazing. Yeah. With that. I mean, yeah. It fits so perfectly into that film. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. If all everything on the surface doesn't work with Legacy, you know, when you dig beneath that surface, there's a, there's a ton there and it's, it's not like, Oh, you can read anything into it. No, 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 no. It's obvious what they were doing, what they were saying, what they're doing. So anyway, there you go. Ellen says, go watch these fucking movies. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I would recommend they're on the list. Yes. All right. Good enough for me. So we'll, we'll anything you want to add in? No, I think that about does it unless you want to keep talking about this for oh, another half hour. We could. We could go all night long, baby. But uh, <laughs> I think we'll go all night, all night long doing something else. Uh, so maybe sleeping. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's anyway. typically what we do all night long. Yeah, right. Of course. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we'll wrap this one up. Uh, this episode of Sovereign Tech. And uh, of course, go to SovereignTech.com. There's... 
I've lost count of how many thousands of hours of content is available there for you to enjoy. And I assure you, it's largely evergreen. So go for it. And we will, and you can hear plenty more episodes with Ellen on them. We will wrap this one up. Ellen, thank you as always for being on the show. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, loads of fun all the time. So we will wrap it up. I will see all of you on the other side. Thank you for listening to Sovereign Tech. An Osiris One production. Now go out there and make some trouble. <laughs>